Nerds International proudly presents Coming at you live from a barren beach in Germany, it's me, Nick Lambslice. Me, James Pumpkin. And me, Harrison Hunt, aka Simon Belmont. And we are the, the Tabletop Twats. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? We've got such a show for you today. Usually uh, we talk about monster trucks, but today we are actually talking about something different. We're going to be talking about RPGs for once. <laughs> Didn't expect that, did you? Tabletop RPGs, of course. And uh, we've got loads of segments for you today. We've got the feedback side where we talk about feedback. We've got what you've been slaying where we talk about what we've been playing. And we've got the main subject, which this time is going to be... Dicios. <laughs> That's right, dice for those who don't speak Portuguese. <laughs> and uh, then we've got song fight, and we're going to talk about the competition. Oh yeah. And then we've got electro letters, and of course our award-winning outro. Yes. It's going to be so jam-packed, ladies and gentlemen. I can't wait. I don't. I don't know what's. I don't. I'm so excited. I'm too excited. Exactly. So, strap in, because it's the feedback side. The feedback side. The feedback side. The feedback side. Alright, so our first feedback comes in from a bloke called Daniel Irwin. He says, Hey twats, started catching your show a couple of months back and been meaning to let you know that your show is the dog's bollocks. Loving the foreign beggars and punted in the bonds, although technically that's not from this podcast. Carry on making such good stuff. And then he asks a couple of questions, so we'll pick those up in the Electro Letters segment. And he signs off with, carry on, keep up the good work, Dan. So thank you very much for American listeners and foreign listeners. Dog's bollocks. It's good. It is good. good. (laughs) Even though it refers to the testicles of a hound... It is good. They are, uh, yeah, they are held in high esteem in the UK. <laughs> we love them. We love them. We, we love, love a set of bollocks with yeah. a with a with a little bit of ketchup and if, and some chips. Dog's bollocks can yeah. be delicious. <laughs> Tiny bit of salt seasoning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Mm. And the next one comes in from Gary Hoagie McCullum. Uh, Mad Mac to his friends and he says ha 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 fucking wicked podcast guys well done your cousin sh- your cousin should be a regular for those who <laughs> no. don't know we had my cousin SB SBF on the last podcast and he is he has been convicted for some pretty awful stuff he came in he tried to fuck everything and I'm not talking about just people I'm talking about bookcases, the yeah. walls, everything. We, My ne- trainer. Anything, hideous. Everything that had a hole in it. <laughs> yep. Even tried to snatch a fly in the air with some chopsticks. And then fuck that. Yeah. It was horrible. It was horrible. And so we had to eject him immediately. So, no, we yeah. will not be getting him back on the podcast. He is back in jail. Thank Where he belongs. God for that. Where he belongs. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. I mean, there is the flies are now safe. Good. And then uh, the next one we've got comes in from Luke Enyart. You may remember Luke from some series as... <laughs> yeah, Foreign Beggars. So, yeah. yes. And he said, uh, checking my local market today for potatoes suitable for roasting for dinner tonight. Ooh, I hope you got them. If you don't know what we're talking about, then you should listen to the actual play. If you don't know what we're talking about, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> fuck off. But to explain, uh, yeah, in uh, Foreign Beggars, there was an item called potatoes which was a crossbreed between potatoes and rats. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Um, give Delicious. that a listen. Because in context... It's 
I don't know if it's funnier. I don't know if it's actually uh, any more fun, but listen to it <laughs> anyway. Check it out, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, we did have a, a last bit of feedback from Justin Saroy, who wrote Beneath the Inverted Church, um, who which we reviewed on the last podcast. Um, suffice to say, every single bit of feedback that he sent in, he did a lot of complaining because we did not review his book um, favourably. Um, I, I don't have the time to read out oh. all of his complaints. <laughs> I mean, favourably is a strong word. I mean, we didn't. Yeah. You know, we get, we, yes. We honest opinion. Yeah. On, yeah. We and that's were, what you it got. Was good parts. Yeah. We it said. Parts. We said. We said that his his monster manual. Was was really Superb. good. Yeah, was really exactly. good. And it's but true. he he got very very incensed about a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And when uh, it came to defending my opinions, he actually backed down and said, "Actually, you know what? Fair enough." The only thing that actually stood up, and the only complaint that he had that stood up, and uh, I hold my hands up to, was that he said there was a character in his book. I believe her name was Emily. That I uh, mistakenly assumed was black. And uh, I was completely wrong about that. She was actually an elf or some shit. Yeah. And it was he... just it was just accidentally read in a different manner. Yeah, exactly. That was it. And he assumed the reason that I thought she was black was, was because we are all straight white males. Oh yeah, because I'm I'm a white. Yeah. So what he did in making that mistake was made the exact mistake that I did, except I made that mistake and assumed a fictional character was black. And he made the same mistake and assumed my very real friend was white. <laughs> yeah. And now, and everyone uh, knows I'm part radish. Yeah, exactly. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, Justin, uh, I'd like a full frank apology, such as I've given you, because you assumed that James was white when he's actually from the Philippines. So, uh, you, you racist, Justin. You, you racist. You racist. How dare you? <laughs> You've offended all of us. And uh, and I, the amount of crying I did after I heard that, <laughs> you. You bastards. So, James just got out of therapy. Uh, yeah. yeah, James has... It, the thing is, it was difficult to come here today, wasn't it, James? Yeah. It was very difficult. You know, I felt like victimised. I felt like I... <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I was being targeted, to be honest, you know. I, I know. Uh, Justin, he claims, he claims to be standing up for people's rights, and he's just done a racism... I know, and he probably sat down when he wrote that too, so... Well. Exactly, exactly, so... <laughs> Sorry, I had to go through that, James. Yeah. It's no. all good fun. It, is just, it though? I'm just, I'm just, just, just managing to get out the other side of it now, just. <laughs> is it though? Because James, you know, he, he can't even, no, okay, right, let's leave it there. Anyway. Okay, right, so... Um, yeah. Wait, can I mention one extra thing? Oh. About this whole thing, Go, right? on. Go well, on. The whole back and forth that happened uh, online with uh, anyone could read it, right? Um, with uh, Justin and well mainly it was Harrison really between Harrison and Justin um, there was loads of stuff that was said and he took on, on every bit of the feedback he then deleted his post which which was on Google Plus mm-hmm. and then he released a special edition of his book yeah, which included every suggestion that was made so if anything we've made the game better yep we thank, have. Well, yep so you know no need to thank us you're welcome yeah <laughs> so if you look at b- beneath the inverted church and check out the special edition that's come out right just just have a read of it and what it contains yeah the complete edition now includes a little um part at the beginning like a, a prelude that that says um by the way, in this book, here's an explanation of how it should be used because we uh, said on our podcast that it was very unclear mm. um, certain parts of it, and so he's done a little chapter at the beginning explaining it. So, yeah, um, thanks to 
thanks to us and thanks to all these discussions, it has been changed for the better. So fair play to him, actually. Yeah, it's a very decent thing. We're doing to do. a solid. We'll put a link in the uh, show notes. But stop being so bloody racist. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I can't believe you. <laughs> anyway, that is it for feedback this time. Woo. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, for sending that in. We appreciate it. Now, let's go on to what we've been playing in our famous segment. What you've been slaying. <laughs> Oi! Yeah? What you slaying? Alright, so first up, we have uh, finished, finally, our game, (sighs) Solomon Kane. Our game, as if I wrote it, right? (laughs) Um, But we've been playing a uh, campaign of of, uh, Solomon Kane using the system Savage Worlds, and this has been going on for about six months now. You guys are probably sick of hearing about it, but you'll be glad to know it's finally bloody finished. Well, we're not glad, really, because it was awesome. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really sad it's over, but... Um, we'll try to get this over as quickly as possible, but the ending was fucking epic. Oh, oh man. Um, so I'll try to go over a bit of an explanation as, as to the story. So so here's what happened. Originally, all the characters thought that they were resurrected from hell or purgatory by God to do God's work, slaying monsters and taking their power, right? And it's throughout our, our world in the 17th century. Uh, about halfway through the story, they realise that um, the big monster that they've been uh, like resurrected to slay in a year's time was actually um, sent is is going to be sent by God to destroy the world and purge it Noah's mm-hmm. Ark style, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so the person that resurrected them to destroy all these monsters throughout the world was not God, and in fact was Dracula, and he'd learnt of God's plan. And he lied to the player characters in order to get them on side. Yep. Now... Especially Nick's character, who is very holy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now, fast forward to a, uh, a year's time. We get to the ending, and uh, basically throughout the game, all of these guys have been fighting Solomon Kane, And Kane was obviously on God's side and all of this. And now these guys have to take down a monster that's been sent by God to destroy the world. Which was so, the size of a country. Exactly. This thing, <laughs> oh, yeah. isn't, this thing isn't going to be a pushover. No. Not to mention, these guys have been resurrected once, and uh, that therefore means that other things can too. Throughout the course of the campaign, their rival had be- had been Solomon Cain. He'd been, uh, they'd fought him a number of times, but they never killed him. But they did manage to kill him once. Oh, yes. So, when it comes to the time where they had to defeat this big world-ending monster, they go to the beach of Germany and see it approaching. And then, their, their rival, Cain, has been resurrected by God, but he's way more powerful. He can fly now. He's got a one wing of an angel. Mm-hmm. He can wield, like, a hundred guns at once using telekinesis. Like a swarm, yeah, guns floating swarm. around. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty horrible. And so they have to kill him before this thing reaches um, the shores and starts destroying the world. Yeah, because he's our enemy that's closer. The other one is far away. So. Exactly. And it was... Needless to say, it was a fucking epic boss oh, battle. Man. It was ridiculous. But I gave them the choice. So uh, before the fight, Dracula, their their sort of boss and their campaign master throughout this whole thing, says to them, "Okay, here's what I'm going to do. Um, I will allow you to uh, either use me in the final fight, the the Lord of Shadow, the the Darkness King, Lord Dracula, or." I will sacrifice myself to resurrect all of your old characters that you've had throughout this campaign, and uh, but I will die. And the only thing I ask in return is that you take my blackened heart and use it to spread the word throughout the world that 
monsters can be good people too. Yeah, yeah. And that's what he said. And everyone was like, right, see you later, Drac. Uh, yeah, cool. Uh, yeah. It's been good. Uh, but we yeah. want to see our old characters. Oh, man, yeah. So they all had all their old characters back through and and, and fought Kane and uh, this big monster that was called the Walpurgis on the beach of Germany. And it was a fucking cool ending. But the way they defeated this big monster, because it was, you know, country-sized and, and all of this, and the way they defeated it was they got on its back... Um, well, no, no. Actually, before that, before that, we needed help. They needed help. Oh, they, yeah. they, they didn't know how to destroy it. We just had this like omnipresent monster kind of coming towards us, and we were just like, "What are we going to do?" We're, like, we've got literally six rounds of combat till this mother kachana is on us, and uh, yeah, we we had no idea. So the spellcasters got together and were like, "Well, we can't summon God for help. We need something. <laughs> yeah. uh, we need something big and powerful to give us a hand, or at least advice." So the spellcasters got together, and with the help of the non-spellcasters, they sat down and went, okay, let's summon the devil. Obviously. Oh, yes. <laughs> and they, they, they sacrificed this guy on the beach and sacrificed him to the devil, summoned the devil himself and just asked him for help. And the devil was like, oh, man. <laughs> He's like, oh, that thing? Oh. I, know, I know how to kill it. You, you can kill it. You got you to gotta kill, the, kill the creator to kill the thing. And then the the thing, uh, Satan comes up, tells them that they've got to do that. Mm-hmm. So they get on the thing's back, start calling out God himself. And it was one yep. of the best scenes ever because they all get on the back and it was just all the players around the table just shouting, 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 and going Give crazy. It, yeah. and they were just like, you fucking cunt, you motherfucker, you don't care about the people, this, that, and the other. And Come suddenly, down here, it's not You're right. a coward. <laughs> yeah. You're a coward. And then suddenly the silence, uh, the, the shouting just clears and Sean's character, Paul Robson, just goes, I don't fucking believe in you anymore. (laughs) That was was the final straw. It was beautiful. And then the heavens just opened. (laughs) Like I got them all to roll for it, obviously, but then the heavens just opened and they started fighting God. And it was just basically a big holy hand coming out and just trying to flick them. But Christy, one of the characters, uses Dracula's black heart, touches it against God's hand, and God becomes mortal at that Mm -hmm. point. Yeah, he shrinks down to your standard mortal size. Yeah, and then um, what was brilliant is we were using adventure cards, and I won't go necessarily into what those are, but somebody used an adventure card, and it caused God's first attack to fail. Critically. A a critical fail. And then they all just fucking started wailing on him, and it was just basically... All of these guys, eight people, wasn't it yeah. at this yeah. point? Because you yeah, had all of your old characters just wailing on oh, this old man. dude yeah. on top of a giant Got a beat down, yeah. yeah. And one of the coolest things about it is after you destroyed God. Um, you had your flying machine, which was how you used the uh, how you got up there in the first place, yeah. yep. right? So the point is, is that you battered him, and then when the monster disappeared, you grabbed God's corpse, got on your flying machine, and flew down. <laughs> yeah, and then of course to safety. Yeah, <laughs> and then of course we did all the epilogues and stuff like this. Yeah, and obviously it won't mean anything to the listeners, so I won't get into that. But it was beautiful. It was beautiful, yeah. and it was one of the greatest campaign endings mm-hmm. ever because we just had. Well, you guys... Everybody came back as well, so there was no permanent deaths. Every single yeah. character throughout the campaign managed to come back to the end, and it was the first ever happy, proper yeah. happy ending we've ever had. It was a TPS. It was so A cool. total party survival. Yeah, so, yeah. Total party, yeah <laughs> total party success. It was, it was great. It and was... Everyone just was like... Wow. <laughs> well, you could argue that I sort of handed that to you, but the only thing is is that 
what happened was is you were fighting monsters that were far, far and above your early characters that died. Yeah. yeah. And the and fact we... that they survived was so unbelievably lucky mm-hmm. because you had some stupidly lucky shots. Yeah. Oh, mate. Yeah. Yeah. See, one of the We things... were rolling high. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The rolls were ridiculous mm-hmm. that night. They were so stupid. It was awesome. I mean, <laughs> there, was, there was a point where Bill, like, put it this way, Solomon Cain was so powerful... That throughout the campaign, every single time you guys had fought him, yeah. you'd never managed to even damage him. No. Yeah, every encounter we had, we got fucked up and we just had yeah. to run away. Yeah, and then much. when Bill, one of your new characters, <laughs> yeah. did, tried a shot on him for the first time ever, he did three wounds. Solomon Kane already had one wound on him at this point. But he Bill then did three wounds yep. in one shot, and he mm-hmm. was he was trying out a new gun. And he went, "All right, then let's give this one a try." Shot him. <laughs> um, Kane also had an ability at this point where he could parry range shots because yep. he was so fast. And then this bullet just went through um, and shot Kane right in the head and killed yeah, him the in most one perfect shot. And yeah. it was just went like, through the, the his gun swarm as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, it was just this beautiful shot, and every <laughs> single attack in this battle was like that. And it was just like, it was like yeah, and like I managed that. to. I had a, a a spell, and it was like a running joke throughout the entire campaign. Oh, yeah. Because uh, when my uh, second character came about, my Belinda, which was like a basically a witch type lady, um, she had a thing called Entangle, and I, I never, I never landed a successful role um, throughout the entire ca- entire campaign. I think I maybe did it once, and it was pathetic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, it was like on one target. Yes, yeah. but then, scrape, um, scrape, scrape but then, yeah, success, during yeah. the uh, final battle. I rolled it and got such a high oh, success man. rate that I managed to entangle a group of people and it was like it worked in our favour yeah. so massively. And the beauty of that was you did it at a minus six yeah, and, cast still, the modifier. and still got mm-hmm. a raise to the point where that entire group couldn't use strength or agility <laughs> yep. based attacks. It was it was <laughs> And when we just executed them yeah. systematically. Mm. Yeah, and then and then they that entire group of enemies that were trying to charge at you, when I was rolling for their agility and strength to get out of it None of them no, were succeeding. No, yeah. So they, these guys wiped the floor with these guys. It's like shooting and fish in a like, barrel, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's what it was. There was just a bunch of people stuck in a bush, and these guys just went up and just systematically just went pat, 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 pat. It was just like, what the fuck is going on here? This was the this was the final boss, Man. and you guys wiped the floor with them. Yeah. But the thing is, when you deal with when you dealt with the monster, the big monster, that was different because. As my brother very rightly pointed out, a monster of that size, it, it doesn't. It becomes a a puzzle. Fi- it, a puzzle. Mm. Yeah. It's figure out the puzzle, or you die next round. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. That, that's what it is, or the world ends, or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what it becomes. And it's not necessarily a battle. But when it came to the battle with Kane, it was it was epic. And mm. there were points where yeah, I could have spent a Benny to negate that shot to Kane's head, but it was too cool. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And to me, that's where you go. You you have to like um, understand that that you I could have taken away such an epic moment from you, and there's no way I'm going to do that. No, absolutely. And yeah. and it was so beautiful, and those mm-hmm. roles were just they oh, were off man. It, was, it was a beautiful campaign ending. Yeah, we were. It was. It, it every episode that we played got like really better, and. Um, I mean, we were, we were really sad that it was over, yeah. but we were on such a high oh, man. as and, well. And as a little um, post-mortem to Solomon Kane, um, 
I have to say that's one of my favourite settings of all time. That's one of my um, best campaigns oh, yeah. ever, if not the best campaign I've ever played. Yeah, I have to say, I agree. So I, I enjoyed it so much, mm-hmm. and that, that ending was just perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll move on, and um, we played a first session of ICRPG. Yes, we did. So this we what we did is we revisited our GURPS uh, universe that we played yes. a while back. Yeah, yeah if you're long-time listeners of this, then you would have heard about it in the past. We've talked a lot about it, mm-hmm. but basically this is a big sci-fi mashup of all sci-fi things that I like and it's just a big um, sort of very tongue-in-cheek sci-fi universe and the amount of effort that you put in to uh, preparing this campaign in GURPS was gargantuan so it's mm. amazing to be able to revisit it reuse and repurpose oh, totally. and to actually explore areas we never did it's a living breathing setting there's so much depth to this yeah, one it's, it's great. basically a big open world yeah. so um, the this one uh, for those that don't know ICRPG is index card role playing game and it's a very very simplified D20 system yep um, that revolves around getting loot to improve characters. That's that's the simplest way I can describe mm-hmm. it. Um, but this this um, this game that we had was was extremely funny. Um, so these guys are playing bounty hunters, and it's thirty years on from our last campaign. So so essentially, bounty hunting is no longer um, it's no longer legal. It's no longer legal, mm. and it is um, it's no longer obviously presided over by the government before you could go into a government office and pick up a bounty and it would be regulated by the government. And now it isn't, right? So um, these guys are doing underground bounties. Nice. They're poor and they're scum. Right? Yeah, because the bounties that we can only get hold of are the really like naff ones. We don't get much pay for it because it's <laughs> illegal, but we'll pick it up because it's what we want to do. I lost my crisp packet. <laughs> yes, things like that. And then suddenly this guy on a really, really exclusive hotel resort on an island called Aurelian Sol... And yes, people are going to notice me nicking names from all over the place oh, for yeah. this. Um, he, he gives them a bounty and it's, it's paying 100,000 woolongs, right? And he goes, um, all I want you to do is go and get this ingredient, right? Um, mm. Or the recipe for a, um, a, a an amazing bowl of ramen from this really exclusive place on another side of the galaxy. And you're going to be racing another team of bounty hunters. And it's going to be filmed because people in the bar downstairs are taking bets on it. <laughs> yeah. And that's basically it. So, no pressure. <laughs> yeah. So to, to keep it very brief, these guys start racing the other guys, right? And they, they first of all have a battle in the parking lot with these guys. Like as Before they've even taken off in their ships trying to get to the place where the rum is being sold. It's mental. They're getting into the, the gun pods on their ship, firing at the guy in the fucking parking lot. Stuff like this. It's, it's insane. But then the other team of bounty hunters uh, take off and all of this and they're, they're fighting and it was really, really fun. But um, essentially they get to the ramen place um realise that the ramen place has been closed for ages. Mm. And there was an asteroid belt in, in the way of the ramen place that, that basically fucks up any ships that come through. And the guy just wanted them to do the bounty because he doesn't want bounty hunters in his... Uh, hotel. So what yeah. he does is he gives them this impossible task. But yeah, he does it because he just wants to rid rid them um, rid the place of bounty hunters. So he does it on purpose so that they die. Yeah, pretty much. Exactly. And so now, uh, but now they actually did it, and they've got this uh, wondrous ingredient that mm. makes the best ramen on the planet. However, they've got the last one. <gasps> so yeah. what they're thinking is they're going to try and find somebody that can clone it. Ah, and, nice. and that's basically it, and and uh, that's sort of keeping it very brief. But yeah, um, yeah, it's only a, it's a short campaign. It's a two high part. excitement. 
It's yeah, a two-parter yeah. intermission uh, before we um, start a new campaign at Sean's DMing. Yeah, ICRPG is an extremely fun game. One of the things that you do is um, every time sort of you have a battle, depending on how many hearts it is, because um, HP is always measured in hearts mm. and things like this, um, you give the players loot. And one of the greatest scenes that we had, right, was that we got, um, they saw some loot floating in space after a battle, right? Yeah. And it was this big sort of, um, like, container, like yeah, vacuum massive, sealed. Yeah, massive, like, hexagonal container. Yeah, and I said, you see it's floating in space, what do you want to do? Right, so Grab so, it. Yeah, James's character puts on a space suit, goes out there, grabs it, gets it back in. And they open it up, um, you know, using using effort and stuff like this, which is another mechanic. But mm-hmm. we'll probably get into that if we do an episode on it. Yeah. So they open it up and like this. I roll on the table and I go, you see three um, hot cooked roast beef dinners in there? Because I <laughs> yeah. rolled on the table. And then they're like, they're, they're bounty hunters, you know. They haven't eaten a proper meal in weeks. They've been living off like, you know, just really shitty, probably yeah. pre-packed pastoids and yeah. things like this. Yeah. And basically and when I- you consumed this, they healed like X amount of, um, like it was, it was were they lovely dinners then? Yeah, they, yeah. they were lovely dinners to the nice. point where it healed a lot. Wow! Yeah. But okay. the point is, is that they Sweet. were already at full HP, but because they hadn't, um, because they hadn't eaten in so long, they just ate them anyway. Anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was it so was, funny it was because brilliant because it was them. Sean's suggestion, wasn't it? Because we were like, we were just like, oh, we should definitely save this. But then Sean was just like, yeah, but we haven't eaten in ages. Yeah, they just eat it. it. Smells, yeah, yeah. They like, would yeah. eat them, and all of them literally at the table were just role playing it, and they were just like. <laughs> yeah. It was great. I love those moments. It was so funny. Just um, picture him on them little like old bird's eye microwave roast dinners, like in a little plate. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> and it came out of like a gigantic container that was way too big for awesome. three of them. Awesome. <laughs> Just yeah, more so, to the point, why is it in space? <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, I said that like, it looked like a ship had dropped it. Uh, okay, it had like perfect. a line of other uh, other little foods coming out of it. Got ya. Wicked. Yeah. Um, that's ICRPG. We'll hopefully have more on that next week. Yes. I think it's a fantastic game. Very simple and very awesome I recommend anyone check it out uh, next up we've got a couple of things that we've um, we've bought as well uh, well American Survival Guide ooh American that's ooh, U- ooh, American. American yeah, yeah. U-M-E-R um, this is a setting for DCC I did mention it briefly on a previous podcast but the only reason I'm bringing it up now is because uh, I didn't give too much away before because, because of our foreign beggars exactly mm-hmm. now we've place. played it on the foreign beggars I just wanted to highlight a few things so um, this is a post-apocalyptic uh, campaign setting for D- Dungeon Crawl Classics. Um, that doesn't mean it's in a fantasy world. It means it's a whole redesign for yeah. Dungeon Crawl Classics. And what this is, is uh, it, it changes everything. So you've mm-hmm. got new classes. So you can be a cyborg, cleric of the wasteland, feral urchin. It's, it's proper Mad Max-style stuff. So you could be a fossorian, which is a giant badger man. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, you could be a grey, which is a little alien. The artwork in the book is fantastic. It's it's ridiculous, and then you've you've uh, it's got rules for guns, including new fumble tables, things like this, mm-hmm. and then you've got grenades, and that all of this extends to you've got exotic guns, and then you've got like the shitty guns, like a pipe gun, yeah. uh, like a can grenade, things like this. <laughs> yeah. It's got new food uh, and uh, things like this, and stuff that you can find out there. It's also got like locations mm-hmm. as well, so it's got the whole actual proper setting in there but one of the things that we were looking at the other day was the uh, was the deities because it's it's actually got magic and things like this yeah, like yeah. so it's still it's still right, like gets a bit of that in there like the proper DCC style setting so it's got deities and patrons and stuff like this right so you've got you've got <laughs> Santa 
Yeah. Of course. So Santa's in there, the giving yeah. god. He's yeah. a lawful, obviously. <laughs> and if you look at the, the 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 picture of him, he's wearing like a leather vest. Got, but then he's, he's got full of tattoos. Full of tattoos. And on his on his stomach, he's got a tattoo that says caned on it. And he's got <laughs> he's got really muscly arms. And on one it says naughty, on the other nice. And then joy on one arm. And he's smoking a little pipe, but it's a spiky pipe. <laughs> it's Santa with attitude. Exactly. Yeah. And then there's another one called Technos Discos. <laughs> or Technos Discos, but it's it's like a, a disco ball with tentacles coming out of it and it's a DJ god te- and it's called the terrible bringer of beats and it's a, ah, yes. a chaotic god there's that one so called Thizolica awesome. um, Morda and it's the thousand headed multi-dimensional space hydra that's neutral yeah <laughs> He's not causing anyone any trouble. Uh, and is... there's another one called Wah, the god of violent combat and strength of arms. There Wah! It is. He looks. It's basically Jason Voorhees, but with eight arms. Oh god! Yeah, the Ultimo Spark. I mean, the, the patrons alone is worth getting this book for because it's just fucking incredible. This, yeah. this book, this book is amazing. And really, so not only is it a fantastic um, book and setting and all that in one, but it's one of the like most. Comprehend, uh, comprehensive expansion packs to DCC ever, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen others, and honestly, uh, like I'm not, I'm not going to call out any names, but mm-hmm. I've seen others, and I wasn't quite as thrilled with them as I, I am with this one. Yeah. Without actual play, we barely scratched the surface. Oh, yeah. I mean, we just, we, we just were passing through. And the thing about it is, is this book is if you played a campaign in in American. <sighs> right. Uh, in America I should say uh, it would be fucking incredible yeah. um, so this is called The American Survival Guide um, bear in mind uh, the author did say if you search for this on Lulu and drive through RPG um, type in American so mm-hmm. if you type in America it will not come up American mm. yeah so so uh, yeah search for that that's fucking amazing and it's cheap it's it's relatively cheap. for what um, it is uh, yeah because yeah, it's a quite thick book mm-hmm. um, it goes for about the same as DCC itself mm-hmm. but it is is quite comprehensive yeah. as we say yeah um, and the very final thing we wanted to talk about was Darkhold Goblin Adventures Terror from the Black Isles yes, oh, yes. so one of our favourite settings for um, Savage Worlds uh, obviously we love goblin settings and one goblin setting that we really like is Darkhold um, which harkens back to sort of classic AD&D type goblins mm-hmm. um, and you get to play as goblins in this and uh, Rebel Minis who make this um, recently re- uh, released a new adventure via Kickstarter and it's called Terror from Black Isles and it has duck men in it yes oh yes <laughs> duck men and they look awesome yeah and so we duck we, we, yeah we kickstarted this um, we all chipped in a little bit and uh, basically uh, we are going to be doing a bonus actual play of this soon. Ooh. So look forward to that, everyone, because uh, I won't give any way more details than that other than it's got Duckmen and uh, we've got the minis and we've got the adventure and so we're going to be doing a bonus actual play. Yeah. So look forward to that and that is it for what we've been saying. I'm sorry that probably ran over a bit long, but... It's, it always uh, does. But grow up, will yeah, you? Yeah, all right. Yeah. You know? We're just humans here. All right, we can't help out being flawed, all right? <laughs> Some of us are racists, like yeah. Justin, but we can't help it. <laughs> all right? All right? <laughs> <laughs> all right, but that brings us on to the main subject. Ooh. <laughs> main. Subject. Main. Subject. <laughs> 
Sorry. Um, if anybody makes a dice dice baby joke, they're, they're, they're ejected from the podcast. Okay. We've all done it pre pre podcast. Right. We're all out. Glad it's out. Shake it out. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad it's out your system. Right. Um, today we are talking about dice. We're going to talk about what ones you need. We're talking about luxury dice. We're talking about weird ones, fucked up ones, shit ones, shit ones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're going to give some advice, and of course, we are going to be taking some pictures of our dice sets and things like this. And, and we're going to upload these to Google Plus and Facebook and, mm. and whatnot. So you'll see some pictures in Ting. So before we get started, uh, let's have a little brief history of polyhedral dice Ooh. and how they came about. Although the um, D6 is now the most common, the first ever dice in recorded history was a D4, used in a board game called the Royal Game of Ur. <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> which was played in a historical Asian region called Mesopotamia Ooh. <laughs> a fact which is A. boring and B. not funny so if I started there and go all the way to the modern day we're going to be here all day so uh, this is just supposed to be an introduction so we're just going to start with the modern day so like how modern die sets came to be okay so it started really in wargaming in the early 19th century with a game called Kriegspiel, Ooh. which literally means war game. <laughs> and it was basically a Prussian war game that used D6s in, and involved up to 10 players and usually had an umpire presiding over the battles. It was used to simulate battles between nations and turn real-life generals into master strategists. Cool. Like all military technology, the war game eventually saw its way into our daily lives, and a long time later, by 1954, the war game Tactics from the Avalon Game Company saw its way into our homes. This was a simulation of a battle between two fictional opposing countries on a map board, but still, this used D6s. So, why do I mention this game when we're talking about polyhedral dice? Well... War gamers were always wishing for more realism, more detail, and for games to take two years to play. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's what war gamers want, man. They just want it to last forever. You know, when you take a picture of the board and you have to fucking go remember set it where back it back up each week. Yeah. Exactly. Then, then the setup takes another week and then you have to go home. <laughs> yeah. Pack it up again. So, High octane stuff. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. My God. So fun. <laughs> so, there are a couple of magazines around at the time for war gaming enthusiasts, but in the story of Dice, there's an especially important one. In 1962, a wargaming legend and enthusiast called Donald Featherstone, and if that's not a powerful name, I don't know what mm -hmm. is, started a magazine called Wargamer's Newsletter, which is also a powerful name. <laughs> he produced this every month without fail up until January 1980. It was quite difficult to find any actual content from it, but it did contain articles on wargaming, obviously, and new rules and stuff like that. Anyway, in 1966, following a larger demand to get closer to realism within wargaming, a man named Michael J. Korn made a new wargaming rulebook called Modern War in Miniature. This book sought to make a new percentage-based system using only D6s. And I won't explain it now, but essentially it broke down all weapons and their success rates into percentages by 5% increments, making it the closest reasonable way to get a percentage-based system with D6s. But gamers just wanted more than just 5% increments. They were in need of a new solution. Fast forward to 1969, Donald Featherstone wrote this in his magazine, Wargamer's Newsletter. 
I've received details of 20-sided random generation dice obtainable from Japanese Standards Association. These dice have very large application to wargaming and are the answer to many objections put forward by opponents of the normal dice. They can be obtained in sets of three and in a case for six dollars, including postage from the Japanese Standards Association. And I'm sure that's exactly how he sounded. That's probably a lot of money back then, six bucks. That's eight thousand pounds. Exactly. (laughs) You can see why it didn't catch on straight away. (laughs) Yeah. So this is one of the first real mentions of using 20-sided dice in Western mainstream culture. But these weren't the D20s as we know them. They were percentile dice, numbered 0 to 9 twice. The idea being that you roll it twice and get a percentage. Ah. Mm. Anyway, it obviously took Donald a long time to set the deals up because it took him two years to publish the following advertisement in his magazine. (laughs) Advanced war gamers only. You noobs, fuck right off. Exactly. <laughs> Advanced World War II rules. Armour. Based on Army's present tactical exercise system for more than a simple game. Umpire essential. <laughs> One pound or three dollars. Including percentage dice. Address below. American Civil War rules. 1970 convention. 50p or one dollar fifty. <laughs> percentage dice now available. Throw numbers one to a hundred. Pair 42p or one dollar twenty. Bristol Wargamer Society, 102, Cothenbrow, Bristol, BS6, 6AP. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fantastic advert, and yeah. it's, it's, it's written and drawn beautifully. Yeah. yeah, he even drew a little dice on there. Yeah. And, and I like the way it says, Advanced Wargamers Only, mm-hmm. and it's got, it's got exclamation marks either side. Yeah, and a couple upside. of like mediocre wargamers read that and went, yeah, yeah. pull it away. Yeah. <laughs> Advanced, right, I'm out. I'm out of here. <laughs> Turn the page. Can't, yeah. I, can't, I can't buy into that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, there was a guy at the time called Mike Reese um, developing uh, rules for a new game called Tractics. Ooh, nice. <laughs> I know. That's a cool name. So one reader of Wargamer's newsletter wrote into a February 1971 issue of Wargamer's newsletter saying, I imagine that sales of 20-sided dice will pick up when Mike Reese starts selling the Tractics rules. That man was Gary Giger. Shut up! Whoa! The very first editions of D&D and Chainmail didn't use polyhedral dice quite as much as later editions, but did, however, make prominent use of the D20. And this is where it all started. Oh, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, this... But the funny thing is, is that Gary Gygax mentioned in an article that he wrote for Wargamer's newsletter that he actually um, sort of painted the uh, repeated numbers on the D20 in different colours so that he could number it basically 1 to 20 as right. opposed to 0 to 9 twice. Yeah, yeah. That's, oh, how, nice. that's how he did it. Cool. And, and made the, the very first ever 1 to 20 D20s. Um, so, polyhedral dices did make appearances in D&D, yes, but what, they were difficult to find. So, at the time, gamers improvised, often uh, using just a D20 and then a pack of cards or a dartboard and a blindfold or <laughs> something like this. Sword. Yeah, sword. <laughs> just a pack of swords. Yeah. Um, but it was only in the 80s when TSR made enough cash from Gary Gygax's creation that they managed to set deals up with dice manufacturers and thus 
polyhedral die sets hit homes everywhere. Oh. Not in a literal manner. Yeah. Be, just a shower like, in the windows. Hailstones. But... Everyone get inside! The <laughs> dice are coming! <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, is a very brief uh, history of uh, how polyhedral dice became uh, commercially available. Wow, how enlightening. Yes, That's Gary wicked. Gygax was actually at the forefront of it, um, despite, you know, any detractors out there. Yeah, fuck you. But the was. thing is, is there, there, there are obviously much more comprehensive articles but that is a very brief version of it. Um, so wargaming, we you, we do actually have to thank for it, mm. um, despite the fact you know a lot of people poo poo it and stuff like that. But Gary <laughs> Gygax, he loved it. He was well into it. But he actually mentioned in that article that that I mentioned earlier. Um, he said, "I've been I've painted my d20s uh, different colours and been using them for a fantasy game I'm developing." And that was that was D and D. Wow. So yeah, super interesting. That so, is well done there, Gaza. And Gaza. well done, Gaz. Well, Where Donald Featherstone. Yeah, that's it. Mr. Featherstone. Who, yeah, Bless may him. may he rest in peace. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so uh, fucking awesome. But now, obviously, we're going we're gonna to have a little chat about some, some dice that we got and things like this. But obviously, uh, dice are a very, very important uh, component to any role playing. Unless mm-hmm. you're playing those shitty games that don't use them, and those can fuck right off. Go get <laughs> out! Go get out! I have no interest in a game that doesn't involve dice. Mm. Fuck you, Justin! <laughs> Sorry, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> um, but anyway, whoops. Most games use a, a D4, D6, D8, uh, D12, D12, and a D20. And a D10. And a D10. Shit! I got it wrong. <laughs> so, um, any standard set you can pick up for super cheap, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can get a set of those on Amazon for about two quid nowadays, yep. right? Yep. For uh, just a, a very, very standard set. But we're going to talk about some of our favourites because we, we've got a bunch, right? Yeah, we've got a lot. Um, I would recommend one of the things that I will say is readability. That's mm-hmm. oh, oh yeah. God. When it comes down to getting a normal fucking set of dice, get some that are readable. The yeah. ones that I play with more often than not, I actually don't have them on me right now. They're in my bag, but I've got a set of white dice with black lettering. And I know what you're thinking, listeners. That's you're boring. You're boring. But the reason that I use them is so that if the D- DM peers across the table at my dice, he can read them. Yeah. Or she can read them. Yeah. Or look they this, can look, read look them. Look at this shit. Yeah. Nick's, oh. Nick's just showing me a um, white dice. With gold lettering that's also uh, got red splotches on it. I can't read that for can't shit. Read numbers, I don't even know no. what number you're showing me there. That's a free. Those apparently. are useless. Yep. What I notice a lot of noobs doing, right? They're new to the hobby. They get elven dice and Cthulhu dice. Yeah. Chuck those out the window <laughs> and put them in the bin. Yeah. Because they got those gross designs on, which means you can't fucking. They look nice, yeah. They, they look but, nice in a picture, yeah. but that's the only place they look nice. Mm-hmm. Um, do not ever buy those. Um, and uh, I hate them. Uh, but what, the ones that uh, do look nice is get some with a subtle design on them. Yes. Like, for example, Nick, you've got some big ones there, right? Big boys, these ones? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a set of oversized dice. I love oversized dice. They're awesome. They are fun. Yeah, and see, what these have on them, what you need to get is a... It, some of them just have... A, they're sort of a main colour mm-hmm. with like a swirly pattern on them. Yeah. That's yeah. nice because then you have a um, customised colour that you like and then but in addition to that it's just got like some nice coloured lettering a little bit yeah Mm, but you can read it exactly okay and these are oversized dice so they're a bit of a novelty anyway but that is a prime example of a nice colour that you actually like right see that that is the type of thing that we're talking about if you get dice get those do not 
get those fucking shitty Elven and Cthulhu ones. They <laughs> yeah. suck. Yeah. They're, they're pretty bad. I got shown some oversized dice um, at Dragon Meat, and I was like, pick whatever ones you like. Yeah. And he picked a cool set. Don't get me wrong, they're like a toxic, kind of yellow, swirly. Kind of smutty-ish. But, mate, you can't read them. He struggles, bless him, doesn't he? <laughs> He's yeah. rolling them dice. Yeah, but there's, the thing is, sometimes the allure of the colour... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the, what you can do, sometimes... The, the trouble with those dice and why they're a bit not readable is because they've got gold lettering on mm-hmm. a yellow background. Mm-hmm. But what you can do is get yourself a fine Sharpie and uh, take a uh, just take that and go over the lettering with the black. Totally, yeah. And that's a really easy that's way. So idea. if you see a colour that you like, but it's got that shitty gold lettering on it that makes it fucking unreadable, just go over it with the black. Yeah. Um, and that makes it so much easier. But that's totally. just a very, very quick tutorial on how to not pick shitty dice. Yeah, because you you'll see so many online and you think, they look so cool, but then you really got to think, right, are they just going to be a cool set that stays in the box because they look cool, or am I actually going to be able to practically use them? Another example yeah. you've got there, Nick, is those... Um, what, what are those, those red ones you've got there? So these are... Sci-fi, almost like kind of like steampunk ones. So, um, what do you make of those? Those uh, describe the design. Uh, so they're, they're so they're like red, and they've almost got like um, corrugated steel panels all over them. Yeah, uh, and all the edges. All the edges are rounded, and uh, and they're you know they're inked in black. So they are actually not too bad to read. There's a couple of numbers that look quite similar, so they can be a little May bit have of a look at those, James? Absolutely, send them over. Um, I believe we've got these all rolled up actually. Because I, I, I think these are bordered... Actually, no, because these are okay. Mm-hmm. See, sometimes, yeah, these look... For example, the um, the D6 looks like a crate from a sci-fi game. Yeah. And it would it reminds me of Borderlands if the uh, loot boxes were red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing about these is what they've done is they've emboldened the numbers to a gigantic degree. <laughs> so they're readable. Yeah. yeah. But then when you go down to the D4 and the D20 where it's got more sides... It's a bit trickier. It, it does become oh, yeah. impossible The D20, mm-hmm. D20 is difficult to read Definitely. on yeah, this one. Yeah, so I don't know about those. Um, it, it, it becomes quite difficult. Um, I used them for a bit and uh, that exact thing happened and you start going, what's that say again? And then you just think, oh. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, If you get an ugly set of dice, right? well, not ugly, yeah, they look great, but um, when you actually use them in real world... It's the I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, you know, I've done it many a time. I've got this uh, couple of uh, gross-looking dice and, and set that we'll talk about soon. But, um, yeah, when you roll them, then I basically had to peer over, put my face inside my dice tray and squint and go, <laughs> oh, it's that number. That's yeah. it. And then if the DM needed to verify it, they'd like have to like get out their seat and like walk over. And it's just like... <laughs> or invest in a telescope. Yeah. yeah. Or, or just, or just you know, just, just fucking believe me. But it's just like... <laughs> but that's what you say, or believe you. And what that can lead to when you're playing with people you don't necessarily know, and it can happen a lot. Mm-hmm. If you're playing at a store or you're playing at a con... Yeah. Um, that can lead to accusations of cheating. Mm-hmm. And that's not a good thing. Um, oh, do you think people buy them non-legible dice on purpose for that very reason? Hey, if they do, they should they fuck fudge their own rolls. Yeah, ah. Of course they do. I, I'm, I'm willing to bet there's a, there's loads of people that do that. Do well, no, a couple of def- listeners are like looking at their feet at the moment like, oh shit. But in, <laughs> well, if you do that, then, then you should be ashamed of yourself. You're only because, cheating yourself. Exactly. And <laughs> it's pathetic. Yeah, but people, people don't give a fuck about that. Some people just want their character to win. Yeah, I've yeah. told you about my um, uh, ex-work colleague, right? He's, he's a Warhammer dude. Yeah. And he always DMs. And he's he an advanced wargamer. Oh, no. Oh, okay. I don't no, think so. Um, Warhammer fantasy roleplay in it. <laughs> yeah. Oh right, yeah. But he um he's he's a dick mate. He's a, he <laughs> he he admitted to me 
that he just um, sometimes just uh, rolls the dice again to get uh, the outcome he wanted to fuck up the players because he's a dick. Well, and that's I was, just not cricket. And I was just like, all right. That's well, not cricket. I was just like, that's cricket. shit, mate. I was but like, anyway, that's pathetic. Back mm. to, uh, but novelty dice, right? I mean, that's that's essentially what they are, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And not all novelty dice are, are horrible and unreadable because I bought a set the other day and I've, I've had my eyes on these for a while and I'm unsure about these. Um everyone's heard of crystal dice so we didn't actually buy a set of these for this podcast because everyone's heard of crystal dice and I feel like every every podcast that's ever spoken about dice has, has, has spoken about crystal dice but a company called Polyhero Dice did a Kickstarter a little while back for a set of dice called Wizard Dice mm-hmm. and what essentially these are is it's a little dice like the D6 looks like a fireball yeah. they've got a D2 that looks like a book so it's like a little <laughs> coin that you can flip nice. and then there's uh, I forget what the others are but the D20 looks like a big wizard hat and you spin it like a spinning top. <laughs> That's awesome. It's fucking cool. Yeah, that's cool. I've, I've been after them for ages, but the thing is, is that I never managed to pick up a set um, uh, because the, the posters were so high and mm. I really wanted the wizard set because I always play um, spellcasters and I kept on going on the website and being like, fucking 25 quid for a die set. Like, mm. I can't justify mm-hmm. it. And then uh, Dice Shop Online had the Warrior set, and I was like, oh, I guess I'll play a Warrior next time I play a fantasy game <laughs> yeah, then. Well, there you go. Um, but check these out. Nice they, box. They, yeah, they come in a big box. Sorry, that is going to be audibly hideous for anyone <laughs> listening. But check these out. So, um, what it is, is uh, the, <laughs> wow. the D4. Is. D4 is a little little dagger. Uh, D6 is a little sword and the uh, there's an eight-sided mace, two ten-sided gauntlets that are a little fist and then a 20-sided shield and a 12-sided helmet. Oh, I've got the helmet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> These are so weird. Go, go, go. Ooh. <laughs> I, think, I think most of them, because they're a bizarre shape, they require a chuck. You know how you roll yeah. a D4? Mm-hmm. You have to, you sort of throw it. Yeah. Um, oh, especially wait, like especially it, the shield because the shield is is like, um, it's, a, it's two-sided so it's shaped like a coin so you have to sort of throw it. So yeah, these are very, uh, very amusing dice. I, 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 I was on the fence about them at first because I, I do like the look of them, mm. and they are the, the thing about them is, is you know when you see those crystal dice, have you mm-hmm. seen those? Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't immediately know which one you're rolling. That's With these, it. you do. Yeah, because each yeah. one, each one has its own characteristic. You know mm-hmm. that you know the helmet is the twelve sider. You know that the uh, D eight is the mace. Mm-hmm. You know the fists are the uh, D tens. Yeah, and the, four, and the D four is the dagger because um, a, a dagger always does D four damage. See, I like what they've done, right? Yeah, because it's cool. there's the the two fist ones. Obviously, they're exactly the same uh, size and shape, but to denote a difference between them, they've put a dot underneath um, the yeah, numbers on one side. Yeah, oh. so they're very. They're very um, well made set. Yeah. Um, the, the only thing is the wizard one is a little bit cooler and I'm yeah. kind of gutted that they, they didn't have it. But they also have a rogue set as well. Oh, and, yeah. And oh, really? Of, yeah, the, I think the D4 is a little arrow and yeah. uh, they've got a little little, um, little bag as well. <laughs> like one of them's a little bag. And it's, I don't know, they're just they're they really cute. Cool. I like them. And they come in such a variety of colours. Mm. So that, for me, is a novelty set that is actually... Um, More than uh, novelty. Yeah, pal- yeah, palatable. And yeah. I, I, will, I will use these. Mm-hmm. The only thing is that we play a lot of Savage Worlds and in Savage Worlds you require require a d6 to go with it yeah because you need a d6 of another color with your dice set mm-hmm. so buying two of these would be extortionate i yeah. managed to get these for 15 pounds from dice shop online mm. yeah i don't know if i could justify buying a whole nother set yeah, yeah. yeah just See, to get that one extra d6 mm-hmm. if you're in america and you buy these off their site you get you can add on oh, d6s nice. and things like this yeah, but yeah. the thing is you couldn't do that here because you had to buy the whole set yeah yeah so i might get a bone dice to go with it oh yeah that'd be cool because that'd be cool so nick 
Tell us about the bone dice. The bone dice. <clears throat> One that um, our, our mate and Harrison's brother, Sean, for some reason has a dislike towards it. It, um, it, it, it makes him un- uneasy. Uh, just looking at it, it so it's uh, it's a D six, but it's not standard by at all. It's it's almost it's got like pointed edges, uh, making it look bone like. Um, yeah, because traditionally they were that's why they're called bones because dice were created from bones. Oh, there you and go. They used to be the ankle uh, bones uh, mostly. Oh, so perhaps this is uh, from an ankle bone. I don't know. Yeah, it uh, looks ivory. It's cool though, and it, I love it. Uh, Sean hates it, so I like throwing it near him because it puts him <laughs> off. Um, but it's actually a very nice rolling dice. Yeah, it's not too bad. Mm-hmm. As, as as far as uh, bone dice go, the D six is actually the, probably the most pleasant one. Yeah, it's very cool. So it's, yeah, it's just a D six that's been made to look like a bone. It's got yeah. it's got um, some it's curved in mm-hmm. every sense of the word, so it looks it looks angled. Yeah, and you can get these from most uh, dice retailers. Yeah. For, it's about two pounds for so, one, yeah. mm-hmm. which is a little expensive for a D6. But let's say, for instance, you're playing Savage Worlds, or you want. See, a lot of people get D6s for spell damage or mm-hmm. for weapon damage, and they roll them as separate dice away from their main set. Yeah. And if you want special damage for uh, special dice for damage, well, this go is a good one to go for. Go yeah. for a bone. Go for I, the bone. Like yeah, it is a cool dice. Yeah. I don't know what Sean's problem is with it. But Nick, as well, there was a set that we bought recently um, for for you. And, yes. Uh, oh yes. I love these because you've been you've been um, collecting the Call of Cthulhu series for a while. Ah, yes, so we, I know we've mentioned this before, but Call of Cthulhu is a uh, a role playing game where you play as cats mm-hmm. who at night protect mm-hmm. humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, humans from um, eldritch monsters, basically, exactly, and stuff exactly. like that. And, yeah, and cats are actually you know way more knowledgeable and powerful than people think. Yes. But uh, they, they sort of you do roll d6s in that game, but they have special rules like under this number does certain things and under this number does certain things. Yeah. yeah. But the they they released a special set of dice so that you don't have to pay attention to the numbers. Just you, the faces. Just the faces. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cat faces on them. Yeah. yeah. So they got little happy cat faces on them for anything over a three, I believe. Um, yeah. and, and then, then sad, sad cat faces cats for below. Um, they come in a nice purple and green. Yeah, and, and they're, they're just, banging, mate. They're, they're very, very nice. Cute cat faces. Yeah. And I would would argue utterly pointless. Oh, but yeah, the thing totally. is, if you're playing the game, it's a thematic thing. Yeah, totally. You know? yeah. But the good thing is they've also put the digital number on on them as well. So, so you can, can use, them, use for them for anything. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's nice. I do like them. And, and one of the things about them is that they were cheap. Yes, they were. That's the thing. Yeah. I think um, for that whole set, it was six dice for six quid. That's really so, good. So fine by me. Mm-hmm. Thank you very um, much, guys. Yeah. Because what we what I want to talk about is is when when ripoffs occur. Oh wow! Because that brings us onto a very nice point is oh, that wow. is that the tales from the loop set. Oh my god! Uh, these dice. can suck my anus. <laughs> yeah. Because the thing about tales from the loop, right? Uh, and I want to talk about Modifius's fucking staff as well. When we did our um, year in sort of review and we did we awarded different awards for things yeah the Tales from the Loop set was one of the fucking shittiest rip-offs ever I don't think it won our worst worst product award did it uh, what the for the dice oh it might well have done I think it did for the <laughs> dice didn't yeah. it I can't remember but oh. we'll, we'll go over yeah. it now anyway because um, the point about the Tales from the Loop dice is you get 10 dice and I, I think at the time at convention price it cost us 15 oh, quid right yeah. yep. and we thought we were getting 15 dice for 15 quid mm-hmm. um, and it's just a bunch of D6s yep. now again we just mentioned what they call the Cthulhu dice. It's thematic dice and blah, blah, blah. And yes, that is nice if they are cheap and reasonably priced. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then you've got thematic dice for the game. 
these are 15 quid for 10 dice which is a rip yeah second of all I, uh, yeah, we I, thought they'd be something good for you, like a new cool use for them. Yeah, mm. because in in Modifius's other games, yep. they do actually make playing the game much easier. Yeah, however, absolutely. in the case yeah. of these ones, they they do not. But I hadn't played Tales from the Loop at the time, so we didn't know. So we didn't know, and yep. I asked a Modifius employee. I said, "Do you need these for playing the game? And do they make playing the game much easier?" And he said, oh, yeah, I would never play the game without it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You, you absolutely need these. Yeah, yeah, you definitely 100% need these. So he was like, take our money. Yeah, we were like, take the money, man. And I bought them. Of course, later that day, we played Tales from the Loop and realised we'd been fucking mugged off. Yeah. But I'd already opened the fucking box. Uh, and, yeah. and then when I tried to return them to Modifius, they, they asked me to t- take a picture of the box. So I took a picture of the box, sent it in, and they said it was too damaged. But the reason it was damaged just because, uh, I mean, that's down to me. I was pissed when I was trying to open them. You know, I was <laughs> yeah, really drunk. It was one of those vacuum sealed motherfuckers, though, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. It's in it a just, box. It just had tape over oh, it. But honestly, I was, I was we fucking... Were, we were pretty I drunk. Was, I was munting. <laughs> Give me my dice. <laughs> I, was, I was just trying no to tear present. <laughs> So it was kind of annoying. But that was the biggest fucking rip-off I've, yeah. ever, I've ever seen in my yeah. life. And let's be it, honest, they're all right. They're nothing special. They're about nothing at all, special. Is there? At I mean, all. It's just a, a, it's a fucking number with a circle around it. Yeah. It's like, come on, mate. It's all colour. Come on, mate. Which is a stark contrast to their other dice. Yeah. For Genlab and what's their other fucking game? Mutant News. Zero. Exactly, and you get one set. It's fifteen quid, but you get fifteen dice. It's a pound of dice. There you and go. Me, that's perfectly three acceptable. different sets yeah. of colours, and you get three colours, which mm-hmm. are all completely useful, and they're used for things. So you know, your gear dice are yellow and uh, sorry, black, and you know, depending on what it's you're rolling for. Dice exactly, and, blah, blah. and and the thing is that syncs up to what's on your character sheet. Yes. So in mutant year zero and things like this. I think it's, yeah, attributes are green, so the dice are green. Mm-hmm. And so when you fail, you know, if your green dice have failed, well, that means you failed because of your attributes. You weren't yeah. fast enough, you weren't strong enough. Exactly. Yeah. Or if your black dice have failed, it's because your gears malfunctioned or, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that way, the dice are a very easy way um, to reference what's going on in the story. Yeah, yeah um, easy for everyone. It's and it's even got cool little symbols on some of the ones. And, but that's for the fouls, yeah, yeah exactly. And some of the sixes for, as well. Exactly, because you're looking for, well, a six, one. Six is a, is a success. So rather than just putting a six on, they put a nice symbol on, and you know, if you got that symbol, boom, you've done it. Your roll is successful. It's a lot easier to read for the player and, mm. and whoever mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, and it's not necessary, but they've created a product which it makes works. playing the game easier. Yeah, and, exactly. and to me, that's why I thought when they sold these towers from the loot dice, I yeah, thought there'll be something special. Yeah, exactly. Because we're used to it, and you're taking the piss. And yeah. Modifius, for, for the most part, I don't think I've seen a product they've made that's bad. No. And so when they when they came out with these shitty tales from the loot dice, I was like, "Are you fucking shitting me yeah. up the anus?" Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but they got their, you know their products are good, and you think, "Yeah, decent company," and, that, and then this is just a money spinner. That's all yeah. this is for these dice. And the thing is, right, the with their um, with the with the what's the, what's it called typefacing on the, on the actual numbering of the dice for the Mutant Year Zero sets. Mm. Um, they they're clear as day. They are massive numbers, bold. Yeah. They're yeah. so easy to read. These are probably the the some of the best readable dice 
Stark contrast, really. You wouldn't think it's the same company that made the same dice, would you? And they're rounded edges. I don't yeah. know, they're just yeah. a nicer product. Funny enough, my Tales from the Loop dice are already, the numbers are already wearing off really? after maybe three games. Oh, man. And I don't know if they're actually even made by the same manufacturing company. I bet they're not. I, I they ha- can't I, be. I bet they're not, but I'd have not. to look into that. Yeah. Um, but, of course, uh, it wouldn't be an episode without us ha- licking the arse of Goodman Games. <laughs> oh, my God. So that's what we're going to do now. Um, I've got a little product I want to speak about, because I've got, I, I've mentioned this before in in passing but um i've got a book called 50 fantastic functions for the d50 oh yes Ooh. so this is a really really cool book um you obviously need a d50 which i've yes, got here you heard it right d50 yeah so this is a it's obviously a 50 sided die it looks hideous it fucking does and, it's like and a double spinning reason, top isn't it yes yeah. a double spinning top so so essentially this is a it's, <laughs> if you imagine two cones attached on either side now um it's almost impossible to roll and almost impossible to read. You do really just need to throw it and put a yeah. bit, put a bit of spin on it. If you actually rolled it, it would roll for fucking ever because it's just yeah. exactly so like we said. The way you need to do it is you need to chuck it, put a bit of spin on it like a baseball player and yeah, try to oh aim God. for the dice tray. And uh, it's heavy as all hell. It's got, it's got an ivory colour to it and you need to read it with the number that's facing up. Now, uh, the the funny thing is, is that you cannot find these in any other colour except for the fucking weird ivory colour. And in addition to that, they're expensive too. I think that cost me £12. But I wanted to get it to get with this this 50 Fantastic Functions for the D50 book um, because this book is so cool. Yeah. Now, um, the funny thing about that D50 is that because no fucking games use it, even in this little baggie that came with it, (laughs) is a um, a little uh, note that says here's some uses for it because, <laughs> because you might we, be know, lost. we know you can't use it at all really right anyway so this book right it's got um, it's got so many uses um, Goodman Games put out this book and um, it's got it starts off with 50 faces it's just 50 portraits so let's say for instance your characters these, these are fantasy ones but you can use it for pretty much anything um, your characters uh, walk into a bar and they go I'm going to speak to this guy what does he look like well uh, James roll it now let's, let's have a find look. out that is a 49. <laughs> okay, yeah, so, so, so so the gentleman has uh, deep-set eyes, a gigantic beard, large lips, and is wearing a helmet. He looks at you sideways. You and that was with a roll of... That's in the D50 book, is it? Exactly. Wicked. And so then, uh, in addition to that, you've got all sorts of things. So you've got 50 solar system planets, planetoids and satellites... You've got a D50 random table for Metamorphosis Alpha, 50 passive red herring encounters. What well, this is it... why fucking good games are awesome, yeah. because they do shit like this. What mm-hmm. has it got in its pockets? 50 pickpocketing results. Um, <laughs> nice. 50 unusual and obscure figurines of wondrous power. <laughs> D50 treacherous temples. Wow. Um, 50 eldritch gateways. Wicked. And there's there's faces in the crowd. So this one is really cool. So you open the book flat and drop the D50 on it. And then anywhere that it drops, it has 50 results. So, awesome. for example, if you drop it on the right-hand side of the page, you're supposed to close your eyes and just drop it. Hmm. This is a mysterious stranger. And depending on the number, you also get a D50 result. And it could be an enemy in disguise, an assassin on a job, a spire, a scoundrel. Well, they've really, really, really opened up the world to a D50 in that book. Yeah, it's just it's like it's not just 50 tables. It's mm-hmm. 50 different things and this is such a brilliant book just to use 
that dies and make a fucking use of it. Especially if you're a DM that's a little bit, um, I don't know, uh, doesn't work well on the fly, say. You know, yeah. it's a little bit um, yeah, little I mean, bit flustered if or, it's like a question they're not expecting. Boom, you've got your book now. Yeah. Right? yeah. Or if you're doing like a, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a moment where you need to do some improv. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then that just gives you a helping hand. I like that. Yeah, and, I like and that it's lot. good for pre-rolling shit as well mm-hmm. because there's there's a bunch of stuff in there that um, you can use and just pre-roll stuff. I mean, it, it's, it's possible that they might have bought like a surplus of D50s and realised that in order shit, to shift them, they had, to, they had <laughs> yeah. to write a book, you know. But the thing is, um, I think it's a great book. Yes, yeah, really good. In honest, all honesty, it's very difficult to find in print nowadays. Really, but uh, yeah, I would, I would highly recommend if you see it about fucking grab, grab it, it man. It's a yeah, fucking cool book. Definitely. I, I'm really, really glad that I own it. Mm. Well, whilst we're on the subject of DCC and Goodman Games, right? Then we have to talk about their sets of dice. Oh, they're the best. The Zochi dice sets. Yeah, they, 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 I love them. I love the heck out of them. Yeah, let's ha- let's have a look at um, let's have a look at the DCC ones first, and then and then we'll have a look at Nick's MCC ones. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah mine are music, aren't they? Here we go, James emptying his little tube there. So all um, over it. The DCC sets, come. they are f- how many comes in a set? Fourteen, right? Mm. So fourteen piece one. Jesus. Fourteen, yes. This is a D four, D three, D five, D six, seven, eight, ten, and then another ten. 12, 14, 16, 20, 24, and 30. Yes. Oh, yes. And the reason being is that uh, DCC utilizes the dice chain to the biggest possible way, in it? <laughs> yeah, and it's awesome. Totally. I, I mean, love it. When, when they came, there was there was dice d- dice numbers that I'd never even heard of, you know? Didn't even yeah. know they existed. Yeah, I mean, like, D7.5. Yeah. Like, what, what's all that about? <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> but yeah, um, the way that they manufacture these is fucking cool because um, they they have a D3 in there that's a six-sider but mm-hmm. it's got Roman numerals on it so you can tell it apart from the D6 yeah um, what James and I have the uh, Cesarecan Sanguivara solid set yes and, uh, multi-colours yeah they're multi-colours so everyone every single dice in there has a different colour so you can tell them apart mm-hmm. which is very very handy because some of them have similar shapes yeah but what I like is they come in a big tube and the tube has a, an extra item in there and I'll just read out the item now. So the that particular set comes with uh, an item for DCC, and it is a it's Cesarecan Sanguivorous Sliver. It, the The description is so long, but anyway, it comes with a really really cool magic item mm-hmm. essentially. And every single set that they do comes with an item like that. So it's absolutely incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I love them. I absolutely the love them. The quality of them is incredible as well. They, they, they probably are the best quality ones out yeah, there at the yeah. moment, at, at least They're my favourite set. To mm-hmm. my knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They might be better, but I don't know. In addition to that, um, they also do the Mutant Cruel Classics line, which Nick yeah. managed to pick up from Leisure Games. I did, oh, yes. yes. And yes. these come in, uh, obviously, Mutant Cruel Classics is like all about mutants which mm-hmm. is no fucking surprise but Nick you managed to pick up that these come in appropriate colours don't they yeah these are like uh, almost luminous green and these are Grax Rad Dice and they're obviously ra- radioactive um, same thing again as the uh, uh, Dungeon Crawl Classic set you know f- was it 13 we said 13 dice 14 14, 14 dice in a, uh, what I do like a lot as well is the D4 because it's not your conventional pyramid it's different uh, yes. which I really like about them as well you know little things again comes with a couple of items as well on the back I think Great! You get on this one. You get um, you get uh, a molecular saw and a Boston belt, which is like a basically a utility belt that does all sorts of cool stuff. Um, Sweet, so cool. And then yeah, a little bit of a bit of artwork on the front. 
nice little handy tube to keep your dice in again. I do like the tubes. Yeah, very it, helpful. It definitely makes it, because uh, it's such a large set, it definitely makes it useful to have, you know, a, a place to keep them. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure loads of people have dice bags. But, yeah. you know, if you've got a lot of different coloured sets, it's great to put in. But specifically yeah. for the set that me and Harrison own with the multi colours on mm-hmm. it, you don't want to mix them. No, no, no. Yeah, you, and, you don't and I like the Grax Rad dice that you have, Nick, because yeah. they're, they're very readable as well. Absolutely. Yeah, they're yeah. really, nice, really good. Beautiful colour. Bold black font on green. Can't go wrong with them. Very easy to read. I absolutely love them. Um, I use them all the time at the moment. Yeah, they're your main set, aren't they? They are, yeah, yeah. I use them for everything. You really enjoy them. Yeah, I do. Let's see some novelty dice. I know you got some good ones in there. Oh, yes. (laughs) Nick, 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 basically, for a long time, went on a big old buying spree. Oh, Oh, he went, he did get drunken purchases. (laughs) Yeah, drunken dice purchasing. And I know you got some, I know you got some weird ones in there. We talked about ones with numbers on them. We don't want to see ones with numbers on them. I'm I'm bored of them now. Yeah, fine. I like this one so ready I'm going to just throw this one in the tray and we're just going to read it um, and then you can kind of figure out what this dice does alright go for it ready uh, youngest it's yep. come up it's got a picture of like a baby a crawling <laughs> it's got a baby on can it you saying, roll, can you roll it again, we'll go again an arrow great it's pointing at me pointing at Nick oh, so this is like a player selection dice. yeah so this is a starter mm. dice so this this is a whose turn is it dice okay so that pointed at Nick again let me roll it I want to roll have it have a go have a go so this is uh, I'm not sure when we've not really had a situation where it's come Eldest. up but I'm sure there would be um, it's basically if you don't know who's going to go the dice tells you for you you've got youngest on there you've got an arrow oh. you've got oldest okay, I'll get it now there? oh yeah in name order yep Oh yeah, the owner of the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is really funny. <laughs> oh yeah, I like this man. That's, that's quite cool. interesting actually. Okay, that's like a good that one. one. Yeah, yeah. Another one this. is a little. It's a little uh, D6 and it's black and pink. It's actually quite a nice little die. But what I like about this one is, well, don't use it in Savage Worlds because you'll get confused. But on this one, the number one is RIP and a gravestone. Oh yeah, that is confusing. So crit foul dice. Yeah, because in Savage Worlds you want you want the six to be the highest one. Exactly. So you, if you've got to have a picture on it, you want it to be on the six. But this one, yeah, if you get a one, you're in trouble. Which I just did. Look, there you go. All right, oh, nice. It's quite. Um, to be honest, it's 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 quite. Uh... Why would you have a pink dice with a grave on it? Yeah. Yeah, you know, mate. It's quite a fluffy. Pink and black. Oh, I like both both ends of the spectrum. Oh, you know? so it's like a um, it's like a juxtaposition. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like oh, you think it's going to be cute, grave. <laughs> well, that's nice and pink, dead. Yeah, these are very cool actually. So I got these as a as a bolt on for a Kickstarter that I backed. Um, I can't quite remember which one it was. I think it was a star. You're on the just shore. doing your back everything on Kickstarter. Phase. Hell yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so it involves some some kind of dice. Pre- I yeah. better do well, it. No, well, it was the actual called Cthulhu. <laughs> uh, it was a cool. It was it was the one. Do you remember I told you about? It was um, an old uh, an old game that got found that was written a long time ago yes um, um, it was a Call of Cthulhu Kickstarter for something to do with Wendigos it was like exactly. I can't remember what it was but yeah I, I seem to remember it was a uh, yeah uh, something to do with coldness so mountains sure. yeah that's Fuck it me. oh sorry yeah that's it The yeah that's exactly the one so it's the one from the 80s that got lost they found yeah. it and, and Kickstarter but, so it came with some dice yeah so as an add-on you could get some um, sanity dice uh, these are oversized D10 let's have a little roll of these and see what it comes out at uh, okay, explosive rage, catatonia. <laughs> so you, so you basically go, boom, boom. <laughs> oh, so they give you an outcome to your sanity roll. Exactly. So, so to describe what these look like, as as Nick said, they are oversized D10s, and then on uh, on the side, each side, it's got like a little symbol, mm-hmm. and uh, it's got in a very nice font. Yeah. Uh, the the sanity effect in question. So mm-hmm. some of them are great. One of them is faint. And the other one's like hyster- hysteric. Um, 
Oh, so so one is like one's permanent, I'm guessing, and one is is the other. I so think so, yeah. So so one's like semi permanent. So if I roll one, you get um, ecopraxia, and then if I roll the other, eating disorder. So that that <laughs> I assume would be permanent. Yeah. yeah. So that so the red one appears to be the permanent one because you've got things like PTSD, explosive rage, paranoia, eating disorder, a- anxiety, panic disorder, and then on the green one. Mm-hmm. Which has less tentacles on 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 the symbols. Those appear to be the semi permanent ones. Yeah. So you've got things like faint, suicidal mania, physical hysterics, echopraxia, babbling. Yeah, because those those yeah. appear to be the the semi permanent. They would be such a fun uh, thing to use during the campaign. So mm-hmm. much easier because I, I've got the screen, um, or I did have the screen. Yeah, I gave it away, didn't I? But yeah, the point is, is that when uh, when I'm looking at the screen for CSC, mm-hmm. I tend to um, yeah always look at that table yeah. and, and use that. But um, yeah, I wouldn't need to do that anymore. Not at all. No, just roll the roll the fatty dice and uh, psychoamnesia. Psychoamnesia. That's awesome. So yeah, they're really cool, and they were. Do you know what? They were pretty cheap um, as a bolt on. Um, I like the fact that they're big as well. Yeah, because well, they need to be to mm-hmm. accommodate the the, all the, the writing. The, yeah. the writing. But yeah. they've done it right in that case. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Nice I like that product. Cracking job there. We've also got some, um, so whenever one of us goes on vacation or holiday, um, we often, if we can get our hold, uh, get our hold, get our hands on some dice, we're often bring back yeah, dice or uh, something RPG related Absolutely. for our group. Harrison went to Morocco, I believe, a couple of years ago. Uh, no, these are actually from Egypt. Oh, Egypt, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, what are they made out of? Alabaster. Alabaster. Now, these awesome. are handcrafted. Yeah, I had these made to order actually. Amazing. So, um, yeah, these are um, alabaster D6s. Now, yeah, and they're full of full of defects, but it just creates such amazing <laughs> No, do you know what? They're such a lovely, lovely dice though. And I even like the little details, like, you know, the six is in red, the rest are in black. Yeah, it's one in, one handcrafted. in red as well. Yeah, so, and the thing is, yeah, they're, they're defect central because they're made quite small. Um, I went to the shop um and Egypt is is real fucked up at the moment. But yeah. the thing is, I, I went to the shop. We were cruising around the town, and it, it was like a ghost town. And um, there's this one guy um, who had a shop there, and he had one of these in, and just one dice. And I was like, "Oh, these are cool. Do, do you have any more?" And mm. he was just like, oh, "I can make them. I can make them. Give me two days." And he was like, properly desperate. Wow. And then uh, yeah, he made these in two days, which is why they're full of defects. But they basically yeah, that that was pretty much what it was. Yeah, they're so, charming in their own right. Though. Yeah, I love exactly. them. But that's why that's why they're cool, and they're, mm-hmm. they're really heavy as well. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what's cool about them. And they roll nice. Um, like, I used them for quite a while when we was um, back when we was playing GURPS, I believe. And they, they do are very, roll very nice, very nice to roll. Yep. But for those that don't know, <laughs> alabaster has sort of the weight and feel of um, of like, glass. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they um, feel nice. Look, if you, if you can obviously hear this. Yeah, they yeah. have got a very nice feel to them. Very pleasant. Yeah. Uh, so what else we got here? So we've got a little wooden D6, which is quite nice. Yeah, Ryan went on his travels, wasn't it? I believe it was Ryan. We can't f- we can't remember can't who remember. bought these. It ever- I think he came from Thailand with the minis. Yes. No, Ryan got these from Thailand. Yes. So this, yeah. is a, this is a wooden D6 from Thailand. Yeah, they're made there. It's got a nice big... Uh, divot for a one. Yeah, yeah divot for one. Yeah, it's, true, it's quite nice. Yeah, those are cool. Yeah. Um, they're light, but the thing is they're big as well. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and if you, if you want to just roll one D6... The thing is, these often get used when um, whenever we've got a situation where somebody's taking a hell of a lot of damage and we start running low on D6s. <laughs> yeah, you remember on, uh, when we were playing um, Savage Worlds, we had situations where people kept on falling down fucking holes. Yeah, we decided to yeah. use the proper um, fall mechanic and oh, then we had to roll uh, yeah. um, somewhere, what was it, one of them we had to roll like 36 D6s. Dice. Yeah, I mean it was crazy the amount of D6s we were rolling at that point. 
I think it's supposed to cut out at a certain point. I don't fucking know. But anyway, the point is, is that it got to a point where we were rolling so many D6s, we started running out. We had yeah. them of all shapes and sizes. Just any old dice. And then, and then, yeah. and then the, the, like the big wooden ones started coming <laughs> yeah. out. And it's like, that's when you know shit's getting Scraping the barrel, isn't you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is quite a nice one. So I've got a, it's just a D6, but it's a Q Workshop 10th uh, year anniversary commemorative dice. So it's quite nice. Every what single is it commemorating, though? 10 years of... Princess uh, Dyke. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Ten years of key workshop. The, the Lord of Dice. Oh, this Princess is unreadable, Dyke. though, Nick. Yeah. I know, I know. Again, that's one that's but this is uh, more one that's a just keeper. a keep, isn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly. that's a keeper. Yeah, fuck. Look at the two. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. That's just a black box. Yeah. Right, James, put, take a picture of the two to put on the Facebook. Because that's fucking that's outrageous. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's, that's horrible. So it doesn't get used. Uh, just but a keepy still one. still nice to have. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you come? How did you come by that one, Nick? That one actually. Do you know what? That was sent as a free gift when I bought a pack of Q Workshop dice. Oh, okay. So it was quite nice. So I didn't actually buy it, pay for it. It was just thrown in the bag with it. They so. probably knew that no one would like it that much because of how ugly it was. And he's like, "Hey, have this free piece of shit." Before yep. you go on to your next one, Nick, mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out. Um, oh yes. Goodman Games again because I've got. Um, that they often they do these things where you know road crew games. So if you mm-hmm. run games publicly, I've been doing quite a few this year. And um, you get to uh, have these sort of gifts that you give out to your players. Yeah, that, right. No. And so I've given out uh, all the dice. You get one of them was ten dice, right? But I kept I kept three back for myself. Oh, I, I don't know if you're supposed these, to do yeah. that. So these these are um, the three I kept were the DCC dice. So if yep. you roll an eighteen, let's say you're rolling up your character and you yep. get an eighteen, it comes up with DCC. Oh, yeah, mate. the letters are the sixes. I haven't seen these yet. Let me see. Oh yeah, they're 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 awesome, mate. And then you had some of the others which had different symbols on them. Like one of them um, had like a skull. Yeah, and then there's a cross and things like this. So, yeah, those are really cool gifts. So, if you run uh, uh, games publicly, you can sign up and they send you swag to give out to players. Yeah, you have to run uh, X amount to get the the gear, but as long as you keep doing it. As long as you advertise it publicly, uh, run it in a public space. So, it could be a library, a bar, a game shop, something like this. Yep. And then sign up online. Uh, They send you the swag. So, Mm -hmm. I think, I, I may be misremembering, this is either my. I think it's for the fourth game you get the dice. So it's my fourth game this year. But you're on you're on track for the uh I'm hoping to get the, the, the plaque this year. Yes. Oh yes. So, so my point is is that yeah, these DCC dice, yeah, you get you roll an eighteen, which is near impossible. Yeah. But then everyone's got that story. Every every idiot, every liar has got that story about how they, <laughs> how they rolled oh, I rolled uh, six straight eighteens on my character. It's like fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, those are cool. I like those. Love and, them dice. They're very nice. And uh, yeah, Nick, what's your next? Right. So here, these dice again. So this is more um, going to be uh, nice to look at, but not practical dice. So these dice I picked up when we started playing um, Call of Cthulhu right at the beginning. So they're D10s. Now take a look at the green one and tell me why it's horrendous. They're um, oh. semi-precious stone, Jesus. Uh, like gemstone. Uh, they're very nice to look at. Well, because the, the reason why he's given me this green one, the reason why it's bad is because the numbers have really badly faded off. Mm-hmm. The fact that two faces are completely blank. Yeah. Now I don't use them dice. So that's done that by itself yeah it's just over over nothing mm-hmm. oh these are so nice though yeah they're lovely aren't the they? it's is, a shame have you seen the extortionate prices um, mm-hmm. that uh, Dice Shop Online charge for these yeah that's what I got and the fact the, the reason that these are, <laughs> oh did, we got it yeah. Yeah. oh you actually when I was drunk these? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought you might have got these in like a bag that you bought online no this was when these were right at the beginning when I was drunk about, and uh, had money <laughs> the thing about these is that uh, you can see what the problem is immediately mm-hmm. they instead of engraving it 
exactly. and putting the ink in the engraving, what, which would be very hard for these semi-precious stone ones, what they've done is they've printed the numbers directly on it. Mm-hmm. And when you roll it, they're going to come off. So, so off, what is this made out of? Like jade or something? Something like that, yeah. So yeah. this is, uh, yeah, this you can see like the um, the sort of markings on the stone. It's a beautiful it thing. It is beautiful mm-hmm. and it feels Such nice. A shame. But what it's you, a good weight and everything. But it's it's a it's a fundamentally flawed product. Absolutely. Unusable. Literally unplayable. Now on the other side of that, same exactly the same dice but in metal, perfect because they're engraved. Yep. So now I've got a tin one, a gold one, a brass one and a copper one and these oh, are mate, great. We love them as yeah. well because there's the weight on them you feel so powerful when you Very roll them. Very heavy but dice. If you've got metal dice Make sure you're using a dice tray because yes. otherwise you're going to fuck up your friends' Mash tables. Up your tables. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So dice trays only, but yeah, you can. But these are these are gorgeous dice. Yeah, these are gorgeous. I, I do really like the do like them. And and yep, yeah, it's all embossed the the numbers and um, yeah, they're really readable as well. Yeah, I'd recommend metal dice. Um, scare the hell out of your friends. So I wanted to just wrap up this segment and talk a little bit about um, science dice. Mm-hmm. So. I've got a couple of uh, a couple of little things I wanted to say about science dice. So science dice, um, for those that don't know, no, they're called game science dice. Game science. Yeah. They're made right, yeah. by a company called Game Science. Mm-hmm. Now that company is owned by a gentleman called uh, Lou Zocchi, who I believe is a mathematician, and he studied the study of dice apparently, or something like this. So I, I read into him a little bit. But anyway, this guy. Um, has has devoted his his life to studying the uh, to to like studying dice and the way they roll and getting them absolutely right and all of this shit right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, he's made these dice that are supposedly perfect. Supposedly, and they're, 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 yes, they're to casino standards. So the idea being that they they have the sharp edges of casino dice. Now there's two problems with this. The D four were considered to be completely unsafe because yep. they're a pyramid. And they were sharp as fuck. Yeah. So they had to do those um, slightly squared off edges on mm-hmm. the D4s. So the D4s are not up to casino standards. Mm-hmm. Second of all, the there are imperfections because mm-hmm. they are uh, printed onto sprues where mm-hmm. casino dice are not. So they're imperfections. And he's saying you can sand them down, which is an imperfect process. Yeah. Um, and third of all, his dice were tested in the same way that he tested dice before he made them. Yep. And they were found to be imperfect. No. Because, yeah, because... Because of, of the imperfections. It's fucking and sham. It's not necessarily because of the imperfections, but because of the moulding process that he uses. Yeah. They're not as uh, heavy, and uh, the plastic injection or whatever moulding process that he uses mm-hmm. is not quite as balanced as casino dice. Wow, there you go. So, so there There's you go. There's no imperfection right there. As, as nice as his dice are, and one of the things I appreciate uh, about the Game Science dice is they do a set called the Ugly Set. Yes. And the Ugly Set set you own Nick and what these are are they're a set of dice that are disgusting colours (laughs) that you you would be unlikely to see pretty much anywhere (laughs) and as a result they will stand out on pretty Mm -hmm. much any surface so uh, those are cool and those are actually worth owning. Definitely. Well, mm. Supposedly game science dice. I've got a set and I really, really do like them. Um, what I appreciate is we, we talk about weight and stuff like this. I do like the lightness of them. I do like the sharpness of them. Mm-hmm. 
but they're not perfect. That's and no annoying. dice are going to be perfect. No. And his yeah. uh, claim to be, and they aren't. So just bear that in mind if you buy them. And also, yeah, so when you do get them, when we're talking about imperfections, we're talking about basically little nodules of plastic that are on the dice. Now, it does say in the dice, you know, you just sand them off, great. But, I mean, not being funny, if you're paying 25 quid for a set of dice that are supposed to be perfect, you're not, you shouldn't really want to then have to file them down yourself. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? It's you a little bit of I an mean, ask, I I'm think, okay with it for the price tag. I, I do that kind of stuff with modelling and stuff like that yeah. anyway but the point is, is not everyone does that no. not everyone owns a set of little files mm-hmm. yeah. um, and so I think if he just instead of uh, advertising as game science he should advertise them as I don't know cool sharp dice sharpies, uh, yeah. sharpies. Oh, no, that's, that's a rip off of a pen sharpies <laughs> yeah. but I don't know, I, that, just bear that in mind when yes. you're buying those sets um, I just feel like that's something people should be aware of mm-hmm. they've been tested and they've been to see uh, that they've been um, outed as being basically as loyal as any other sets wow there you go then but one um, yeah one company that apparently is the most balanced that is absolutely possible there's there's a company that's doing what, what some called Harvesies dice oh right I oh yes, I've heard, I heard know, of this. I don't know how uh, true the claims are, but the guy that makes them claims that they are literally as balanced as you can possibly get in the world at the moment. Wow. And they're the ones with two colours. Yeah, two colours. And, and the fusion process, because with the mould that usually happens is it has two sides of the dice, put it together right, yeah. and inject it. Right, but what they've done is they've managed to make the fusion process because usually to get like the swirly patterns and that, that, right? That's what they do. They have two colours, put it in, then it swirls itself. Of course. But what they have is they two two solid colours, so when they meet, it is two separate colours in one dice. Right, I see. Yeah, and he that's how he's managed to do it. So this guy, um, supposedly, yeah, according to him. They are the most balanced ones on the planet at the moment. I'd them definitely out. be interested to know oh, if that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll check them out. Some Harvesies. of them look great though. Yeah, yeah. The, the colours are awesome. Yeah. There's one one um, one set called uh, Latte, and they look like you could eat them. Oh wow! Mm. Nice. Yeah, so check those out, and um, I hope that has been a educational. Oh shit! No, I had one I wanted to talk about. I had one I wanted to talk about, and I want to take a picture of it. But I wanted you guys to look at these. Oh yeah. What are these? Yeah. So the, this, the this customed. is customed. <gasps> yeah. So I custom oh, of custom yeah, made yeah, some. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Fallout yeah, dice because yeah. we're about to play some uh, a game of Fallout. We've got a campaign coming up. So what I did, and this is probably we're gonna have a lot of guys getting angry about this because I've probably massively imbalanced these <laughs> dice. Oh, but they look so good. But as I say, I do I do a little bit of a uh, little bit of gun down modelling and stuff like this. So what I did is I weathered these dice and made them look all battered and beaten up with a bit of paint, a mm-hmm. bit a bit of weathering and stuff like this. And uh, yeah, I, I basically just fucked up these dice and made them look all shitty for our Fallout game. Yeah, no, they look brilliant. Well, and the blues are game science dice. Oh, it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, so, they look so cool. So um, yeah, that's what I did. And uh, They look amazing. They do. Yeah, I just thought um, uh, that's a, that's just another little tip. If you've got, uh, you can make themed dice. Themed dice for your game. Well, how much more fun can you get than that? <laughs> so that is it for our dice segment, everyone. I hope that that has educated you a bit on dice. And I hope that you guys uh, go over to the Google Plus and have a look at the Facebook as well, because we'll upload all the pictures of yeah. the dice we've talked about today. And it will be fucking awesome mm-hmm. to have a look at, because... Uh, yeah, we've we've spoken about some cool dice, and have a look at the ones that we've mentioned as well. Maybe mm-hmm. not game science, but all the other ones, because uh, yeah, we've they they are fucking awesome. Yeah. and uh, maybe stay away from the D fifty. But this thing can be used from a, as a as a lethal weapon. Oh yeah, can, or a sex aid. Oh, or a, what? Yeah, it does look like a sex aid actually, doesn't it? <laughs> so um, we'll put, we'll upload a picture of this in James's bottom. Is that, um, right? Is that right with you, James? Enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> Right, but let's move on to the Brilliant. next segment because we've got something very special coming up. Oh, yes. 
So this is Song Fight, where we do songs about RPGs and we battle them to the death in an arena. Yes. And then Nick, you're going to judge them. Judge them. Right? So this time we did songs about monsters. It was James and I, we could pick any monster from an RPG and then make a song about it. Okay. In the spirit of the episode, let's roll a dice each and see who goes first. like it. All right, what um, size dice are you using? You can pick any one you like. Right. I'm feeling lucky, so I'm going to go for a small one. Yeah, I'm, f- I'm going to use one of the cool metal ones. All right. You're not using the same type of die, though. No, we're not no, going to. No, we don't. Okay, fine. Right. I've picked a D4. Three, two, three, two, one, go. Well, well, well I've got, just I've got 60. <laughs> you got 60? Yeah. You can't. I've got a three. <laughs> and that's right. not bad for a D4. Right, James, do you want to go first or second, then? You get to choose. I'll go second. Oh, oh. My song is entitled Lich. And the thing is, is that Lich is an iconic monster and there doesn't really need to be much said about it because I say it all in the song. Play the song. Kick it. Drop that. Drop the bass. The undead are some of the most feared creatures in Faerun. Zombies, mummies, vampires, all of them alone can bring fear to the hearts of any player character at the mere utterance of their name. And yet... Above all of those sits an undead so deadly and feared so much that to hear it spit spooky rhymes can spell doom for a village or township. I am, of course, talking about the Lich. You motherfuckers better run like a fucking bitch. Start up the fucking base for the motherfucker. You're gonna need a little more than a fucking stitch Cause my death touch has put many people in a ditch I use magic told death itself to eat me So there's no way in hell you could ever beat me Think I give a fuck about all your little feats G Try all your healing spells cause they will never treat you Yeah, yeah I'm a lich, I'm a skeletal monster Worse than anything that your mind can conjure Fighters, clerics, mages and the songsters Anyone who tries it will get conquered As I said before, I'm the motherfucking lich I need to spell effects so I can't be bewitched Ain't got no eyes so I can't be blinded 18 intelligence, really high minded Bitch, I'm the lich and I eat PCs Come in my lair and I'll ignore DCs I'll drop the bomb and I'll lom and I'll eat three bees So never accept the quest, just stay at home bitch please Yeah, I'm a lich, I'm a skeletal monster Worse than anything that your mind can conjure Fighters, clerics, mages and the songsters Anyone who tries it will get conquered Yeah, yeah, I'm a lich, I'm a skeletal monster Worse than anything that your mind can conjure Fighters, clerics, mages and the songsters Anyone who tries it will get conquered. That was wicked. I will like that. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get conquered. All right, little uh, little uh, prelude to mine. Um, I did it from the perspective of a monster, and it can be uh, probably applied to any monster. So. Well, the the the, um, the brief was to pick a monster. So you yeah, picked all the monsters. No, all of them. I depict the internal struggle of a monster. Are we going deeper? Yeah, we uh, went. I went deep on this. I feel like you fucked. The, okay, well let's listen. Let's listen. All okay. Right, enjoy. are taken, taken away from me, dismembered and tossed, 
Sorting acts against my will I'm brain brainwashed I'm a monster on the outside But I'm innocent on the inside The cries you hear cause fear But to me they're real tears Whoa. I'm a monster on the outside But I'm innocent on the inside The cries you hear cause fear But to me they're real tears I'm written in books Depicted by looks They don't understand a single thing Cause they're the ones that move my hands And I'm brought to life with the roll of the dice And I've caused so much death and defeat I wish, I just wish that I could move my own feet I'm a monster on the outside But I'm innocent on the inside the cries you hear cause fear But to me they're real tears Whoa. I'm a monster on the outside But I'm innocent on the inside The cries you hear cause fear But to me they're real tears My only comfort is knowing thing is um you do have to a keep it short b remember the brief but i do think we've got a clear winner there because i think the dance factor alone we were probably jiving out <laughs> all those misunderstands that uh, misunderstood monsters it, what, that's got to make people think next yeah, time next yeah. time they're going for a dungeon oh yeah man. and next time yeah maybe the monster doesn't want to act like that but it's it's all forced through the gm you know if, if anything this song should raise awareness for the bad treatment of monsters <laughs> <laughs> all right so nick nick it's time to pick a winner Who, who's winning i I, uh, I think ah oh, shit it's uh, they're both so different um, but because you didn't stick to what you should have done <laughs> I think Harris has shaved it yes I'm, I'm the winner but that being said that's one of the deepest songs I've ever heard that was good that's good we that is that cool. is incredibly monster good. awareness week everyone yep uh, <laughs> we did that playing at Savage Con. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We should when do we, it live. When, yeah, we should run. Uh, do, we should do Monster Awareness Week. Oh and, my and, God. and then James should get up and play that and do it like really seriously and do a collection for it. That was Song Fight, everyone. Next up, we're going to announce the winner for our last month's competition. Fuck that up, didn't I? Right, let's go. Let's go on with it. <laughs> Is 
competition. All right, so last month we did a competition to win a hardback colour copy of Saga of the Goblin Horde. And all oh, we had yes. to do to win that was send him some erotic homemade goblin art yeah and you you you, you guys are lazy that's how, that's how I'm going to put it because we only got two entries right? yeah come on yes. and, and one of those fucked it up so <laughs> right first off we got in one from Ronnie Walton and he thought it was aromatic goblin art so well done yeah. I have to say it's a fantastic picture we've got we've got a um, and we'll obviously post this on Facebook as well but we've got a goblin and he's he's got a uh, Goblin Greg's aromatherapy and essential oils stand, and he's just motioning towards it, saying, "I suggest the lavender and lilac." <laughs> <laughs> oh God! So I mean, it's good, it's good. But next up, we've uh, got Terry Hansen. He says, "Here is my entry for erotic goblin art." Goblins often find a mate through erotic graffiti. The graffiti is most often done in walls of latrine caves. So, in the loose. The female will make her nude drawing to indicate her want to find a mate. Then males will compete with exaggerated nude drawings of themselves. They will also make threats and mock other males. The female will then choose her mate based on these pictures. And I've got to be honest, <laughs> these are some fierce drawings. You've got a, you've got a goblin with a giant... <laughs> I'm sorry, the, the, one of the best line. Let's make fuck. Yeah, yeah. And so you've got Grohl be mighty, love Grohl, and it's just a guy with a giant cock. I mean, it's just it's basically just goblins killing each other with their dicks out. I yeah, mean, yeah. he's understood the brief. Yeah. He's, his cock's all over the place. Mm-hmm. His goblins dismembering themselves. As much as I love the aromatherapy one, it's not erotic enough. <laughs> it's just not and risque even, enough. And the thing about it is, is Terry's even got a backstory as to how goblins do their mating. Ritual. I love it. It's beautiful. And he's even drawn it in the style of a goblin. Like, yeah. It's badly drawn. Yeah. And I like it. I like and he's it. done it on um, a bit of like um, parchment. The amount of effort he's gone to make yeah. these drawings. I like the bit where he says, like, grow big, mighty, love grow. And it's obviously grow with his big penis. Then someone's come along after and scratched out mighty and put smelly yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hagar Hagar kill growl growl a bitch this is this is brilliant this is brilliant and I like the, the drawing of the woman with a big saggy goblin boobies as well yeah, I mean, says, let's, let's make lots baby and then got tiny goblins surrounding her Graka has big boobies. Mac, Mac Lot's baby. <laughs> yeah, this is beautiful, man. And, you see, and 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 the fact that the goblins have like those sort of darker green penises as well. I mean, it's you know when you know. I like when, his use of shading. Yeah, or you know when you get older and your penis goes like a darker shade of brown. It's better tan than you. The rest of your body does. Yeah, I mean, so apparently the same thing happens to goblins. Now we know. So there you go. If you haven't done anything, so well done, so. Terry. You are the winner. Yes, well done, Terry. Well done. It's very deserved. Very I'll, I'll get your address for you, and then I'll hopefully probably send it at some point. Probably, yeah, probably, probably, yeah. probably, probably <laughs> won't. No, I will. I will. I won't. Um, so well done, man. That is what well deserved. Welcome to the Chamber of Challenges. Chamber of Challenges. The Chamber of Challenges. Chamber of Challenges. The Chamber of Challenges. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Chamber of Challenges. And in this segment, we do challenges for each other, right? And this this is going to be no exception. So, today we're going to try and break a world record. Oh yeah, for right. Dice stacking. Oh, well, oh I my need God. to get a different a different surface. No, you, you'll be fine. You'll, you'll be, be fine. fine. I All doubt right. you're going to break it anyway. So, but just do do your best. Okay. So. I'm not going to tell you what the record is until you've tried it once. We might try it twice. We'll mm-hmm. see what happens. But 
The, uh, the the current world record holder is a bloke called Silvio Sabar in Italy, right? And in November 2013, he achieved a staggering world record, probably literally because it was a high tower of dice. Ah. Right? It has to be a single tower of dice, and you've mm-hmm. got one minute to do it, right? <gasps> All right. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of narrate to the listeners what's going on, okay. and you guys need to be counting as you're going up, right? Okay. okay. Well, aloud. Right. No, just in your heads. Okay. Because that would be fucking annoying, right? Okay. <laughs> so. Three, two, one, begin. Okay, so they're stacking the dice. Nick is actually selecting dice carefully. I don't know why he's done that, but the concentration here in this studio is immense. I uh, I don't know really what to narrate here. I mean, commentating on this is, is quite difficult, but I will tell you what I had for breakfast this morning, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. I did have shakshuka, but I'm a vegan, obviously, so it did not have the eggs in it. It was quite delicious. James is doing very well, getting very high here. I'm just going to have to lean away from my mic for a second because I can't see what Nick's doing. Immensely high, ladies and gentlemen. The pink one is currently at the top. James, he's, he's, getting, he's, he's doing well. He's doing well. Okay, but uh, I don't think they're anywhere near the world record holder. I don't want to spoil anything at the minute. But they've got 16 seconds left and they're doing terrible. Absolutely fucking terrible. James is wobbling. It's wobbling. Ah! He's fallen. It is terrible. What a shit house. Nix is wobbling as well. Four, three, two, one. It fell right at the end. So Nick has a stack of three. The actual um, rules dictate that it needs to stand for five seconds once the minute is up. So, uh, yeah, it did. Your stack of three did. So, to give you the world record, do you want to know it? Go on. No. 46. (gasps) What? But he did use an advanced technique. Do you want to know how he did it? Go on. Put him in a line. No, so what he did is he used a cup and using oh. the centrifugal force by swiping them left and right uh, in the cup. Um, it's quite similar to, oh, say, yes. the Mutant Crawl Classics tune. Yeah. I've yeah. seen them people do this. Right. It's amazing. And uh, then then he would he would create stacks of six, then he would scoop them up in the cup and then pop them onto Whoa. the top. So he did that basically a bunch of times <laughs> and did it so fast that he got a stack of 46 and that was how that's how he did it. And currently, all the other records are very, very close to his time. But yeah. <laughs> Ooh. So you're basically uh, never ever going to do it. Never, no. Well, three, three. You did three. You did, did three. three. I did one. Yeah, you did several th- times. Oh, <laughs> that's good. I fell right at the end. I know, I know. But the thing is, everyone does it when they're at games, don't they? Yeah. When oh, there's yeah, a bit yeah, of a yeah. lull, they stack the dice. That's true. And uh, you guys have proved that all that practice was for nothing. For nothing. <laughs> so stop doing it. Yeah, so <laughs> stop it. <laughs> Fuck's sake. All right. So next up, we'll get Thank into you. some uh, some correspondence. Woo-hoo. Well, we've got a lot this time as well. We have. In the future, you will be able to send a letter from anywhere on the planet. This is the future. This is the Electro Letter. So this is the Electro Letters where we read your mail from around the internet. And this week we asked, um, because we've wrapped up our Solomon Kane campaign, we asked, what are some of your best and worst campaign endings? And uh, we'll, I think we'll kick off with, with a pretty good one from Richard Walcock. He says, I once ran a lengthy campaign using the Exalted rules in a custom setting where the PCs were godlike beings who spent years taking control of a nation of mortals on a distant world. The finale of the campaign involved a rival god raising a massive undead army and marching on a portal that led back to the PCs' homeworld. As the battle began, the PCs suddenly decided they want to fly around to the other side of the world where the evil god had been raising an army to check out his city. 
I warned them that the trip would take several hours and that the battle was already underway, but they insisted. So they flew around the world and found, unsurprisingly, that the evil god's city had been completely abandoned. Then they turned around and flew back and discovered that the, and discovered that the battle was already over. The evil god had wiped out the mortal defenders, gone through the portal and closed it behind him. The PCs weren't even present for the campaign. Anyway. <laughs> that's that's abysmal. That's fucking abysmal. He, I mean, they are pretty fucking stupid. I oh, know. You sure you want to... Yep. So the bad guy, you know where he's going to be. Are you sure you want to go somewhere else? Yeah. You want to go back to his house that he's left? Yeah. yeah. All right. Wait, wait a minute. Where is he? Oh, Why I did, is he I did fucking tell you. <laughs> Idiots. Oh, oh let's go wow. back. Oh. It's all Everyone's over. dead. Dead. Yeah. Owen Lean comes in. He's got a worse campaign ending. Every campaign I play with the Origins group I was in always ended the same. And I'm fairly certain this is a LARP. Every session, we just murder hoboed everything, got XP and goob, and then left. The campaigns ended when we had so much XP that there wasn't a challenge anymore, at which point we just stopped and played a different game. No story, no resolution, just XP. XP oh my junkies. god. So you just get to the end of the game and the DM goes, Okay, yeah, it's over now. You've got 3,000 XP, bye. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Probably knock a wall down if you wanted. Yeah, just knock a few walls down. Well, go back, gutter in if you want. <laughs> <That's madness. laughs> oh God! Uh, uh, next one we got in is from John Steve, the man with two first names. Oh, yes. what a great guy! He probably has never heard that before. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. It's Steve. Like people to call me Harrison Ford, isn't it? All <laughs> <laughs> um, right, and then he says, I "Had a homebrew fantasy game years back where a former PC turned evil NPC became an apprentice to the evil sorceress queen." The group had successfully, over a period of several months of play, managed to corner the evil queen, but she was about to use, use her magic portal to escape into another realm. Just as the evil queen was finishing her brief monologue, the evil apprentice stabbed her in the back, killing her. The players fell silent and were dumbfounded. It was years later before I truly realised what a crap ending that was for the players. I snatched victory and defeat from them. <laughs> Lesson learned. <laughs> yeah man oh, yeah. Well, I don't really get it so he he's his apprentice so he's NPC he's playing then. the apprentice and he oh, just killed the, the boss the queen and that was it oh shit yeah. <laughs> so he just the last boss appears and then he just goes and then this NPC comes out of nowhere and kills her yeah. oh that is shit <laughs> <laughs> oh Ouch. nosy oh John John you really oh. goofed it he forgot he was uh, well, at least a GM he put, there. He, he thought put, he was a player. <laughs> he put lesson learned though. So lesson. yeah, oh, uh, Derek. Old job. So next one comes in from Derek Pennycuff. He says, "When I ran my homebrew Savage Worlds of Shadowrun Harlequin mini campaign for my kids and a few of their friends, when we had when we make it to the final session." Well, spoiler warning for a 30-plus-year-old adventure. Cheers, mate. The plot uh, the plot is the PCs keep getting hired for runs that relate to this one immortal elf dude, and eventually they find out they're being hired for another immortal elf dude. These elves have been literal millennia of history together, and the PCs have been caught up in some sort of game elves sometimes play where they try to one-up each other in specific ways. As written, by the time we get to the end, the PCs are supposed to be caught up in this plot and give enough of a damn to pick a side and it's generally assumed that they're going to align themselves to the guy who's been paying them. But in the kid's defence, that's not a very realistic outcome for the style of mercenary characters found in cyberpunk in general, and Shadowrun in particular. So at the end, the PCs end up in a magical elf realm, and the book actually describes a waiting area with Oompa Loompa-like critters available to wait on them hand and foot. 
This waiting area is supposed to be posh and impressive, but all the players came to the same conclusion. My character will not leave this room until forced to. And they didn't. The entire epic battle of the climax happens down a long hallway from this waiting area. They technically weren't hired to participate in this battle. There's no paycheck in it. I want to say they were hired to deliver something, but it's been long enough now that I don't recall the specifics. But in any case, their paid work is done. They're waiting patiently to be dismissed, but in no hurry to do so because they're having a little spa day in the magical elf waiting room. <laughs> the Decker had a drone he sent down the hall to observe the battle, and I described how things played out through that, but most of the kids role-played a fancy tea party <laughs> as a bunch of grimdark shadowrunners as we ended the campaign. We all had fun, so I can't... <laughs> Brilliant. That's funny. I, well, I, like I mean, to be honest, that is a situation where if it works for you, why not? Everyone's happy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I'm well up for that. I mean, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's funny to me because you, it's like they figured something out. It's yeah, fucking rewarding. They, have, they outsmarted it. Yeah, well, yeah, they were like, we're not fucking leaving this room. Yeah, we'll just watch is, it. This, this, is this room is great, yeah. and that's what drones are for. Dude. Exactly. <laughs> Welcome to fucking Shadowrun. And anyone that says that that they were doing it wrong, no, they fucking weren't. They were doing it right. Yeah, fucking awesome. All right, next one we've got in is from Terry Hansen. And he says, I think the worst campaign ending story is when everyone just stopped showing up to the game. Oh. You know, the worst thing about that is I think that Terry mostly plays with his kids. So oh, wow. <laughs> they just didn't come downstairs. <laughs> He's like, there, Guys, like... the game's on. He's like, shut up, Dad! <laughs> <laughs> no! Oh, <bless> <laughs> but no, everyone's been there, man. Yeah. I mean, that was pretty much why all my old campaigns fizzled out. Just because people were busy. Mm. Yeah, that sucks. Not with this lot, though. But not anymore. Not in this lot. Not anymore. Nah, mate. No, it's sadly, they keep turning we are up. Yeah, we can't get rid of us now. <laughs> I've, been, I've been trying to get rid of you for years. So that's it for your campaign endings. I mean, it's pretty So it's pretty sad to end on the fact that people stop showing up to the game. But there you go. I mean, that is, that is the shittest campaign ever. I mean, out of your guys' um, sort of favourite campaign endings, what would you say your, yours was? Solomon McCain. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you yeah. think so? Wait, no, no. We, we, uh, what's the um, Call of Cthulhu ending for me? Because it was like so intense. So yeah, they went, they went back in time to sort of um, destroy uh, a cosmic threat before it was even oh, yeah, born. Yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah, you yeah, sort yeah, yeah. of uh, cosmically aborted it. Oh my God, yeah. Oh my God. yeah and we got enveloped into like this crazy space area with like a, um, loads of sort of like warping faces surrounding us. And it yeah. was... It was really intense, and Harrison chose like this amazing music to put on during. Yeah, it. well, I mean that that plot, I mean, uh, I kind of one hundred percent ripped out of the game uh, Earthbound, and so I used the music from Earthbound. Mm-hmm. But it was it was fantastic. That I was, was really so cool. immersed. Yeah, I was actually sweating. I mean, obviously, mm. we've already told this story about the yeah. Solomon Kane one. That that was that was pretty fucking. That intense. was amazing, that was wasn't it? Amazing, yeah. um, I mean, one of my. Favorite campaign endings, I have to say, was um, was Sean's one when we played Call of Cthulhu because it was a total party kill. Oh yeah, then, we got into a room and then we all just shot dead. Yeah, we all just got hit with a grenade, and and then and then then he fucking described sort of the aftermath of what happened and like he described the taxi driver visiting one of our dead characters and all of this like <laughs> yeah. and the, and the mayor sort of taking over the city and, and yeah, all this everyone stuff. going to ruin. Oh yeah, my God. that was fun. Yeah, that but, was cool. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's it for our sort of campaign endings question. But we did ask um, for general questions mm-hmm. from people as well. Peter Beckett comes in and he says, what's the most anticlimactic ending to a campaign you've had? And I just have to echo what, what Terry said, and it's uh, people stopping showing up. Back in my, when I used to play D&D 4th edition, I had so many campaigns that started and stopped. I have to say there was one that I sort of, uh, I decided to do season-based gameplay. Right. 
And I find inevitably that whenever you do seasons, mm-hmm. uh, the games never start up again. <laughs> and I know that you did that with your zombie campaign, Nick. Oh, yeah. And I'd yeah, love yeah, you to yeah. start up again. Mm. But who knows if it will? Because I, I always find that I did that and then it was uh, it was sort of an excuse for me to take a break. I'd probably do a one-shot in it. Yeah, exactly. Back. And then I never fucking went back to it. Because no, I was just like, every time I wanted to, it was always, oh, I want to play something, something else. Something else, yeah. Or yeah. I want to... Um, I can't be asked because I've yeah. already done that, been there, done that. Absolutely. You know I'll probably I mean? do a fro- yeah, throwback one shot maybe. Yeah, exactly. But going uh, back and re and revisiting that world, getting right back in and doing all that work again. Nah, it's, it's like, hard. oh, fuck it. Yeah, hell. it is hard. That's why people often suggest, oh, do your campaign in seasons. And it's like, no, that just makes it harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I think so as well. Um, for me, oh, do you remember, what was the what was the campaign we was playing where we, right at the end we literally just got run over by a car? Oh god, that was uh, that was Gerps because yeah. the whole campaign yeah, yeah. was centered around you getting back to your homeworld. Oh, no. I'm so anticlimactic. No, but it, it was, was just like it was because it was such an epic campaign at the end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the whole campaign was centered around you getting back to your homeworld, and as soon as you you took the teleporter back to your homeworld, it was like everyone uh, give me a perception roll. You and you whatever Gerps equivalent was, and you looked over there, and there and there it was like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just yeah. got mowed down. Killed us I thought that was a fun ending. That was but it really was like good. specifically purposefully anti Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah. But it was one yeah, for me. That was that one because you done it, all this hard work got into it, and all these epic battles yeah. and momentous kind of crazy stuff happened. And at the end, it's just up. Like, so we got a question in from Daniel Irwin, and he says, "Have a question for you guys as well. Any of you played Fate or any of its relations or any uh, PBTA stuff? So powered by the apocalypse. What do you think of these more narrative-driven games? Uh, been thinking about running some." Fate down down my way or Gen Lab Alpha uh, got that last week, but not sure my players would be up for such a departure from the more mechanical routes. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Gen Lab Alpha is great. Yeah, Gen Lab Alpha I think has a lot of uh, not mechanical depth, but I think it has enough mechanical aspects mm-hmm. to satisfy those players. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I wouldn't say it's a narrative driven game. I'd uh, say it is, but it's it's got it's got mechanical a lot of mechanical Yeah. I say it's mechanically driven and narrative driven. It's mm-hmm. got a really good balance. Yeah. Um with PTBA uh, Powered by the Apocalypse, I've played Monster of the Week and I've only ever played a one shot, but it's always made me hungry to play more. Mm-hmm. Um uh, Eli Kurtz, who's a member of uh, Nerds International, recently did a um actual play of uh, Blades in the Dark mm-hmm. um, with Jamie and Eric and stuff and it was so fucking cool man I would so recommend going to, to uh, listen to that I, I mean it is watchable but yeah. I just listened to it I put it on YouTube and put it in my pocket yeah, yeah, when I was doing housework and um, fuck man I, the Power by the Apocalypse stuff is so good it depends mm-hmm. on the system as much as I I'm interested in dungeon world, but with dungeon type stuff, I like my yep. mechanical stuff. Yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. But the um, yeah, with Powered by the Apocalypse, it's it's so good because it has that sort of directorial feel with GMing, and it mm-hmm. gives players so much freedom. Um, you know, it's like you have these like threats and things like this, and when I, it was like the way you have to direct the spotlight on players is so cool. So like, there's no initiative and things like this. So it'd be like when you go into a room choosing who gets to act first is all based on intuitiveness Mm -hmm. so uh, let's say for instance the monster enters the room you might base it on who's closer or you might base it on who's the cockiest and who would act first or whatever but you go okay the thing's going to hit you what do you do not Mm -hmm. it hits you you take damage right yeah yeah nice 
that's from that's what I gather from having played one session of it. I'm no expert, but it seems fucking cool, man. Like, uh, and it's, it's just a fucking cool game. I think the best thing is give it a go, mate. There's yeah. no harm in trying. Uh, and lastly, he says, um, oh, and one last thing, listening to your last podcast gave me an idea to float in front of the game design guys. <laughs> I don't know about them, not. Uh, <laughs> it's called Planescape. You play characters who live on a bunch of different planes: Boeing seven four sevens, Airbus A three eighties. Messerschmitt's all sorts really question is how do you get off the planes and who lets Samuel motherfucking Jackson on reckon it's got any legs on it no because it's a plane planes don't have legs come mate. on come mate on. leave the game designing to us yeah, that's all right? what we do come on so that you're stuck on silly. planes um, you know funny enough do you remember <laughs> when do you remember uh, a while back if oh, maybe I shouldn't reference this but well, a while back, I did uh, on the Wild Die podcast, which is a Savage Worlds podcast I'm on. I did the most awkward interview on the planet for a guy that was making a setting all about planes. Yeah. And I, I oh at God, one yeah. point, I made some really dumb jokes where I suggested um, plane uh, different names for his settings, and one of them was Planescape. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. And and another one was Flight Club. <laughs> yes. Oh yes, and and I was like, but you don't talk about Flight Club, and I said you could put the lo- make the logo the same as Fight Club, and people would buy his book by accident, thinking it was a Fight Club setting, yeah. and he didn't, he just did not see Whoosh. the funniness of the joke, like straight yeah. over his head. Yeah. Well, I'd say over his head, they were really lowest common denominator jokes. It was more like under his feet. <laughs> under his feet jokes. Yeah. Well, who's two up in the sky on his planes? Yeah, 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 yeah. that was. So if you want to hear a really awkward interview where a guy just, where I was trying to make it funny and just completely. Uh, was really yeah, just <laughs> was not funny at all go okay, listen to that next up Matthew Imaginary Truth Jones what is each of your go to karaoke song oh yeah my does. heart will go on Celine Dion Gold by Spandau Ballet if you're getting down by five yes that was an easy I, one I can recite that one by by, by um, yeah same by memory so I so always I. Do, I always do it without looking at the screen that's, that's my gimmick and you look good yeah because it's, 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 it's a it's a quite a complicated rap in there. Uh, so is that the one that goes? I ain't got no manners because I eat with my fingers. No, um, <laughs> no, I'm gonna take a little time, time to refresh your mind because the boys are back in town with a different kind of funk. Who cast the funk? We cast the funk, right? Everybody wanna boogie down tonight. So throw your hands up in the sky, move around from side to side. I got what it takes to beat the bass, the funky bass. I give you money, crazy shakes. Come on. <laughs> yes <laughs> nice well done yeah that, that was definitely if if ever, if ever there's karaoke and Harrison and me are in the room that's coming on and yeah, to all our American listeners if you don't know who Five is where the hell you been yeah yeah come on man yeah, yeah they're an English pop group <laughs> they're great yeah so that's that's it and uh, James Holt comes in with what's your perfect Sunday afternoon um wanking <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> ding, ding, ding on the money. So next up, Onlin comes in. He Edgar. says, "He says, uh, general RPG question: What is the closest you've guys come to a TPK?" Well, no, actually, he says, "What's the closest you guys have every come to a TPK?" <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, I should read it out correctly. If you, if you every come every is that time. That's a dirty you... question. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, <laughs> every time he gets a TPK, he's like, <laughs> "Marvelous." <laughs> <laughs> What's the closest I've come? I, I, I oh dear. Um, <laughs> just then, I think. Um, no, but every every time I play with my 
Mate, this is sounding worse by the minute because I was going to say every time I play with my brother. <laughs> <laughs> no, but every time my brother runs Call of Cthulhu, we have a bloody TP game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and, man. And, He's brutal, motherfucker. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we just spoke about how we had a, a long campaign in Call of Cthulhu that ended with the TP game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then we have one in DCC as well. Uh, we bloody well might. I'm sure, have. we did. Yeah. Um, but we've had we've had a lot of a lot of TPKs in our time. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, I think probably the best one's got to be the Call of Cthulhu one that that literally was a campaign that ended on a TPK because we were confronted the last boss. He threw one grenade at us and boom, everyone dies. <laughs> it was it, the, the the last boss was the corrupt mayor of this town mm-hmm. and he was like, I've been expecting you. Ka-ching! Throws the grenade and then he was like, <laughs> and Sean was yeah. like, but but obviously we tried to um, you know roll our agilities to. Get to, away. To manoeuvre ourselves away. Not today. Fucked it. Yeah. Great ending. It was. It was funny though. I mean, you've got to admire the, the balls to just end the campaign like that. It was fucking great. Yeah. Next question. Go for it. I'll do it, yeah. Uh, what is the worst slash best case of GM power play you that you have experienced? Genie. Genie. Yeah. <laughs> next next question. <laughs> I knew oh, it. I knew that was coming. James James doesn't like us bringing it up, so we won't. But okay. um, which episode was it in? Can we remember? What the genie one? Oh, it was gonna... the one that you James wasn't with. It was when he was on holiday. It was the one with Pete in it. Yeah. No. No, was it? it wasn't. It was just me and Nick. So bloody. No, old. Pete was in it. Was he? Yeah, Pete was there. Is I think Pete. I, I think Pete was standing in. Was he? Yeah, All right, well, him. look, we can't, we can't bring it up. We, James, we don't even have our own back catalogue. So. James doesn't like us bringing it up, but one time James tried to use a genie to kill us. All right, so... No, it's a teaching them a lesson. It's quite a different thing. Oh, Intention shit. was not to kill. But, but that, was both the best and, that was both the best and worst. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. Good one. Last right, one. Last question. Uh, he says, are there any unreleased systems or kickstarted systems that you are looking forward to? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got one. Wise guys. Because it's not out yet. Yeah, that's it, man. That's, yeah. that's the one. Uh, out of all the things I'm looking forward to the most at the moment, it's Wise Guys. Mm-hmm. And it's I've got just... my Mechatron, so that's already here. So that's not looking... Well, it's here now. Yeah. But Wise Guys, man. Yeah, I mean... Looking forward that, to that. To me, that's 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 the one. Because mm-hmm. um, I was a little bit excited for the new vampire. But to me, it just... It's, it's, it's pointless. Oh, I know what I'm looking forward to as well. Um, Warhammer. The new edition of Warhammer. That's it, man. Yeah. Because the the, the vampire one, to me, is a little bit pointless because that's already so fucking great. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like every edition of Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay has had its problems. Yeah, 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 definitely. And that that does need fixing. Mm -hmm. You don't need remakes of things that are good. Yeah, totally. And and Vampire, to me, was near perfect. Yeah. A a lot of people can argue with that, but fuck it. For, uh, For me... And uh, everything I got out of it, I, d- it I, so have, I have so few problems with that yeah, system. Yeah, didn't need fixing because it yeah. wasn't broken. And oh, I'm looking at Fiasco. Fi- oh, you told me about it. It's Fiasco version 2. Yeah, Fiasco 2nd for- edition. Yeah, so I'm looking soon. forward to that but, as well. Yeah, the new Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, yeah, for man. me, that, yeah, totally. that I hope that what they do is they, they can streamline some of the elements that needed streamlining from first edition and try to keep it close to that yeah because that's to me banging. that was the pinnacle yeah and definitely. a lot of people think that second was when it was its best and i've never really actually played it i've only read them <laughs> yeah well yeah, <laughs> and, that's so, true, and, yeah and the reason being is because those are systems i look at and go these look great i don't, I don't know if i'd run them yeah and, and yeah. that's just it totally. i only really got into it when we played savage warhammer mm-hmm. and then i started looking at all the books and was like holy shit i need to play that's this so good and then yeah. i was like Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Like, because when you look at the system, it's like. Oh. But we've both got first edition, haven't we? We have, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've got the ninety-four. Oh, eighty-four. I've got the ninety-three nice. one. Yeah, yeah. You, mm-hmm. yeah. 
So, um, yeah, cool. Well, great questions, guys. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank that you. That was a really, really fun Electro Letters this time. That was. Yeah, thank you so much, everyone. I think we did the right thing and we did it two days early. We've done it before. We've asked people five minutes before we or did it. whilst we're podcast. recording. <laughs> yeah, no, and we got to the Electro Letters segment and we're like, shit, we don't have any questions. Let's have a 10 minute break. And then we get mad with our listeners because they haven't literally. No, we don't really get mad with them, but like answered instantly when we demand questions. <laughs> Where are the questions? What's wrong with you guys? Yeah, um, so no, thank, thank you, you so much. Much mm-hmm. and uh, we'll uh, we we'll see you next time. Bye bye. bye. Savage. So before we go, we're going to give you contact details. But before that, even we're going to remind you that we've got a uh, convention coming up that we're all running, mm-hmm. uh, including our mate Peter Beckett as well, who's done a lot of work towards it. Who's actually a great guy, despite all the rumours. Right? <laughs> yeah. He never did it. He never did it. Yeah, Where's well, the proof? Where's the proof? Huh? Huh? Innocent till proven guilty. Exactly. We never saw the proof. Right? Mm-hmm. That girl was a liar. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't know. A what liar. You're he didn't take her pepperoni right okay alright there wasn't even a pepperoni he doesn't even like pizza <laughs> he's never eaten a pizza <laughs> he's never seen a pizza <laughs> despite the fact his name's Pizza Beckett <laughs> <laughs> anyway we're running a convention called Savage Con I need to call it Savage Worlds then and it's going to be in Red Hill on the following dates the 21st and the 22nd of July this yes. year are you sure that's correct it is. Yes. And it is the only Savage Worlds convention in the UK. But come along to it because it's going to be absolutely brilliant. We've mm-hmm. got some great games running. We've got a, guy, a legend, legend in the Savage Worlds scene, Connor Warden of uh, the uh, Cambridge Rippers scene. And we've got Owen, Owen Lean coming down who has uh, written for Savage Worlds, written for Pinnacle and yep. stuff. He's, mm-hmm. he's running some games. And of course, I am running a game. I'm doing uh, Flash Gordon. James, you are doing Aliens vs. Rednecks, which yep. is an amazing, amazing adventure. Fantastic. It, apparently Probably one of the best. It's redefined role-playing games as we know Even it. the Queen. <laughs> the Queen, actually, the, the, that game itself is, is has a knighthood. Yeah. She's commented on it. And uh, Nick, you are running some... Punting in... Um, uh, so I'm doing Punting in the Bonts and uh, Saga of the Goblin Hold. Brilliant games, man. Mm-hmm. This is going to be fucking incredible. So come down so obviously now we need to give you some contact information and that is thus and thus it has always been thus and it will always be thus uh, a tabletop twats at gmail.com or facebook.com forward slash tabletop t and twitter at tabletop twats so yeah contact us on those things or look us up on G plus and the Nerds International community mm-hmm. where you can find such great shows as the RPG Brewery who I believe are doing a uh, let's play of uh, the one ring at the moment which is fucking cool we all mm-hmm. like all of the rings don't we yeah and also if you uh, want to sling us a buck uh, check us out on Patreon and uh, force us tabletop to act on that and um yeah, please, uh, we appreciate your donations and thank you very much to everyone. We do indeed, yes. So it's at this point where I usually give a uh, give a little bit of advice and, uh, you know, something to think about during the week because what the fuck are you going to do while we're not listening to this podcast? Well, you ain't got nothing better to do. You haven't. And this time I ain't got no advice for you. I've just no. got a heartwarming tale. A wholesome a nice, beautiful, wholesome, <laughs> embarrassing tale. tale. So this episode's been all about dice. And what and a better way to end it than with this... With, with a story about dice. Nick, when he got married, he gave his wife his most specialist dice. Yeah, his luckiest the, dice. And he enclosed a message, which is thus, in a nice, nice little bag. To my darling nearly wife, this is my lucky dice. I hope it brings as much luck to our wedding day as it does in my adventuring. Love you always, your Nick. 
That's fucking good. <laughs> Isn't it nice? <laughs> Isn't that nice? I feel like I feel like I'm, I'm a bit emotional now. Yeah. Uh, she said, "What the fuck do I want the dice for?" And threw it at me. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that was true. She's like wedding's off. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, of course, that reminds me because on my wedding day, um, when I got married, um, immediately after the vows and immediately after they said you may kiss the bride a, um, a sort of weird uh, wood nymph came bursting <laughs> through the window and offered me some words of wisdom in a bag and when he got it out it was written in some strange font and I obviously had to go and get it translated by a runesmith and this runesmith actually took months to translate it but eventually when I came back from my honeymoon he read the words out to me and it was translated thusly Chicken McBosh! That is all! Goodbye!